Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Phil Drysdale Show. And today we have John Steingart back for more. Uh, the last episode we did with John, we kind of touched in. We talked about his journey, his faith, um, uh, his evolution of faith, where he is. Um, and today we just dive right in. So if you haven't listened to John's prior um, episode and you have no idea who he is, um, you're welcome to go back and listen to that. Uh, there's no need though, this context, uh, there's no context to this conversation. It just is a wonderful conversation on all kinds of uh, theological, philosophical kind of concepts. Um, and so I really think you're going to love it. It's, it's, it's been one of my favorite conversations in a long while. Um, John is such a pleasure to talk to. He's so fun. He's so easygoing. Um, he's insanely smart people. Like the amount of reading he's done, he just quotes philosophers left, right, and center. He's, he's a cool dude. He's a really cool dude. Um, yeah, uh, I'd encourage you to, um, check him out. Hope you enjoy this episode. Before we get started, I want to remind you the deconstructionnetwork.com, a completely free resource um, to help you find other people in your local area that are deconstructing. And if you are looking for a community uh, online, um, I've started a private discussion group. I mentioned it in the podcast, actually. It's still kind of getting going. Um, but uh, if you subscribe to my Patreon um, for as little as five bucks a month, um, you can join the discussion group. We have amazing conversations on there about the process of deconstructing, how to talk to family, um, exploring different concepts of faith, spirituality, how to recreate meaning, all sorts of different conversations happen on there. Um, and so you can be a part of that um, over at patreon.com slash phildrysdale or phildrysdale slash uh, dot com slash partner um, and that helps me continue to put out all this stuff for free um, the the podcasts the the video resources chatting with people day in day out on instagram um, everything i do is free and so if you want to support that that would make a huge huge difference to me um, and there's a, a little community to thank you um, over on discord and so by all means if you can please do. And if you can't, that's fine. Everything will continue to be free. Anyway, let's dive in to the conversation with John. Hey. Hey, hey. How's it going? Oh, it's going good. So weird. You're out of Sorry. focus. Yeah, it's, um, I'm using a new oh, like, webcam and it, every now and again just decides to go out of focus. I'm not sure what that is, but <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. Um, but Celavi, it's all good. Yeah. I, man, I I want to get a setup like yours. I mean, the camera. When I <laughs> I was I was I flicked through um, our old uh, conversation the other day, and I was just like, Jesus, this camera is so nice. Like, oh, I, I mean, don't remember. I think it's the lens, but um, well, I don't remember what I was doing at that point. I've been the whole year, you know, experimenting. <laughs> well, you had a big update, right? Because you you sold your old camera and stuff, right? Uh is I did sell. It, yeah, I or did one sell of this. I sold the C200, which is probably what I was using when I talked to you last. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But the, yeah, I, I do, you know, video work for a living. So I know. I'm, I'm envious. Like, I'm envious. Stuff around. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. It's, it's the thing of like, it's ridiculous because I'm like this and I need someone like my wife to keep me in check. Um, I think actually, generally speaking, not having money will keep you in check with something yeah. like photography or something like that anyway. Um but, uh, yeah. you know, I, I'm like always like looking at something like you said in your video over and I'm like, holy crap. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? I, I'm making <laughs> videos. What am I doing? Um, Dude, and, I, uh, I then you look at how much it costs and you're like, oh, yeah, no, this is oh, fun. Yeah. This is great. That's, this, <laughs> this looks totally amazing. Fine. Yeah, it's, it's the law of diminishing returns for sure. Or yeah. it's like, I'm not sure it's worth. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I, I for what I'm using 
this equipment for right now, it's massive overkill. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not made to be sitting on top of a monitor. No, it's like a webcam. No, yeah. <laughs> no. So, um, but yeah, I mean, dude, that's, it's, it's funny. Like even in video work, like I have a number of people that have asked me, oh, I want to get into doing video production or blah, 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 blah. Mm. How do I get into it? And, and I'm always like, and they're always asking about gear. Like, that's always the first question. Like, what should I buy? Yeah. What do I need to buy? And the thing I always say is like, well, do you have a phone? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, well, then you have a, you have a, a camera. So just start making things, you know, like mm. if you have a, if you have a Mac, um, iMovie is free. If you have a PC, there's a, there, there's free, you know, basic editing Equipment software out there. And I always tell people just start making things. And don't buy stuff until you really are bumping up against the limitations of what you've got. Mm. And, uh, yeah. and, and inevitably, people are always disappointed with that answer because they're like, oh, that, you, mean, you mean that nothing is stopping me from starting? And right. Like, yeah, that, yeah. That's right. Well, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. We don't really want to get do the actual hard grafting work. We want to be like accumulating things that we can, you know, purchase and make us feel like we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, at, and that's true at every stage. Like I, to this day, I find myself being like, well, if I just owned such and such a camera, I'd be legitimate. Mm. Or if I just, if I just had such and such a client, I'd be legitimate. Or if I just, you know, blah, blah, blah got this uh award or this notoriety or got recognized by this uh community i'd be legitimate and it's like mm -hmm. you never feel i mean if you are the kind of person that doesn't that struggles with feeling legitimate you'll feel that no matter what it won't it won't <laughs> get ticks. i struggle with this so much you know i feel like i've dealt with this so many times and then it just sneaks up on me it, it, yeah. it bites me and I'm like, whoa. And, and, and it takes a little while and I'm like, whoa, you're going in this comparison thing. You're going, oh, they yeah. seem happy because they have this. If I had that, then I'd be happy or or their thing is bigger than mine or better. Right. So I see your video yeah. and I'm like, well, everyone's going to think my videos suck or, you know, or whatever. <laughs> no. I'm like, let's be honest. No one is on YouTube watching this conversation for the video quality. They right. might it's be like, because you're on it, actually. But <laughs> the, the average call, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, what, am I, what am I doing in this little world where I'm going, maybe, well, maybe if I saved up and maybe if I bought like a secondhand one, I could, you know, we could skip a mortgage payment. You know, like, it's like, what? You know, it's like, this yeah. is ridiculous. The webcam will do. Like, you could film yeah. it on your phone. Like you said, I could be doing this on Zoom on my phone and it would probably be good yeah. enough quality probably yeah, better I mean, quality <laughs> i mean you know in in like in the film world they say story is king right so and and that's mm. but that's true just in everything and so yeah. like what you're doing is you're you're talking about things that people really care about and that there's a community of people that really need to hear what you have to say mm. and that community it's like you said they're not tuning into your podcast and and to your youtube channel because uh, of anything to do with like video or filmmaking, they're tuning in because they're interested in what you have to say, and 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 that's where your value is. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, do, does that comparison thing does that show up for you when um when you're dealing with like different sort of maybe Instagram accounts or podcasts about deconstruction? Like, how do do you yes. wrestle with that with yes, that sort of yes, like oh, yes. I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm not legit or I'm not 
uh, notable enough or there's more there's people that are doing things that are more significant than what I'm doing. Like, how does that yeah. play out in your mind? Is, Do are you, you know someone what? that wrestles with that stuff? I'm 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 astonished in how it comes out because it, it actually I feel like my, <laughs> I don't know if maybe this is a, qual- a qualification in comparison again, but I feel like I'm actually worse in a way because I'm not someone that looks at another account that's amazing and goes, oh, I'm so shit. I look at it and go, I'm better than them. This is so unfair. Like, <laughs> isn't that like I might, my arrogance or whatever, you know, but like, it, and, it, and it really, it, it catches me. I was talking to my mm-hmm. wife about this the other day. Um, uh, what was it about? Okay. So Dirty Rotten Church Kids, you got, you, you yeah. know those guys? Have you, have yep. you, no, you, have you been on their show? No, I haven't no. ever talked um, with them personally, but okay. uh, actually, I think you you got me onto them uh, on Instagram. They, uh, they are awesome. Great account, brilliant. funniest people ever, amazing. They should be as successful, if not a lot more successful than they are, but they are blowing up. Like, they yeah. came on the scene a long time after me and, like, brought this podcast, started posting memes, and I'm like, I do podcasts and memes. Cool. Great. More people like me. People need this. Yeah. And then... They started just like skyrocketing and I'm like, I'm not growing as fast as that. That's so unfair, <laughs> right? This is my first thought. This is my first yeah. thought. It's like, how come they're growing so fast? The reason they're growing fast is they're incredible. Like th- yeah. there's no way around that. doesn't mean that I'm not incredible. Yeah. But you know, this is different stuff, different people, different audiences, different, even just a title, right? Someone sees yeah. Phil Drysdale and they're like, well, what does that mean? But someone sees Dirty Rotten Church and they're like, I'm one of them or whatever, right? So there's all these different comparison things, but it, you know, but that was one this week because they launched their Patreon and I immediately was like, I'm going to join their Patreon. I love these guys. I want to support awesome. what they're doing. Joined yeah. it, jumped on their Discord that they've got, which by the way, people, if you're listening to this, go support Dirt Rotten Church because the cheapest one is like $4 a month and they have a phenomenal um, Discord account with lots of conversation. But I go on and it is like conversation, like blowing up. Conversation is amazing. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and my biggest thing is not, this is incredible. My first thought was, how come my Discord isn't always full of chat and, you know, wonderful things? I probably have a similar amount of people on there. I, it's not about, like, they're making more money than me or anything stupid sure. like that. That's ridiculous. This is like comparing apples to oranges. Um, it's it's the thing of, like, how come my people that follow me aren't talking all the time on Discord? This is so unfair. <laughs> and I was talking about it with my wife. I was going, this is coming up and it's not healthy. This is not a healthy oh, thing. Oh, yeah. And you, you're self-aware enough to recognize it in yourself and and yeah. and not like it. You yeah, know, well, I, I think I did. I like went on autopilot for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> I noticed stuff like that in myself too. I'm just like, uh, like I'm always plumbing my own motivations and going like, well, why mm. am I doing this? And like, what am I seeking in, in this? And even in yeah. going on podcasts like yours and and um, having conversations like these, that I'm always I'm always going like, is there a part of me that 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 can't let go of some sort of spotlight? Mm. Like, is that is that is that part of my motivational structure? And like, is that okay? Because, because for some people, like being out in front, um, in front of people, uh, uh, leading the way, like sort of being a, a, a pioneer and wanting to be sort of in the front of the pack in that way. For some people, they're just built that way. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but it can definitely show up in your life in unhealthy ways. Like, yeah. You know, oh, like I, I, I walk that tightrope because I think yeah. I naturally, I, I naturally weirdly, every time I move and I move into a new community, people suddenly are like, oh, Phil, what should we do? And I'm like, what the fuck are you asking me? I don't know. I'm new here, you know? <laughs> but it just feels like people want to, it must be a personality, some way I come across, whatever. Um, 
but I do like it on some levels. Yeah. I really like it. On other levels, I hate it. Um, cause I hate responsibility or, you know, having to do right. things, but like, yeah, it's, it's a weird one, but do you feel like you've always been a little self-aware of this and, and, and seen this stuff or do you think that's changed over your I don't think time? I've always been self-aware. Um, mm. I think my wife has helped me a lot in that area. Uh, <laughs> I, I, um, I mean, so my, my parents are incredibly loving, very supportive. They're the type of parents that like, no matter what I do, my mom in particular would be like, oh, Johnny, that's just so great. Oh, you're just so clever. Oh, you you know, and, and I think somewhere around or somewhere around my early 20s, it, 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 life sort of taught me that I'm not always great. Mm. <laughs> like, I think really, I really did think that I that everything I did was awesome, you know, yeah. all through my teenage years, because, you know, I just I had a lot of affirmation, which is beautiful and wonderful and and lots of people don't get that and that's you know um so that's something i'm grateful for but i definitely realized in my 20s oh i'm really capable of screwing up i'm really capable of being wrong um i I, i'm not good at everything there are people out there that are much better than me at some things and um and i had to sort of i had to sort of cultivate self-awareness and and recognize that um at, at best, all of our motivations are mixed. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and you know, my wife has has helped me a lot in sort of seeing some of the stuff that is potentially unhealthy. And and um, I, I, the one of the things I always try to encourage people is like the skill, practice the skill of of recognizing that you're wrong. Hmm. Like because we're all wrong about stuff here and there, and um, yeah. Or sometimes a lot. Yeah, and, I was gonna say here and there would be a yeah. good day for me. <laughs> yeah, but but you know, I think what really gets you is not being wrong; it's being unwilling to admit that you're wrong. And mm. and if you're w- one of the guiding principles for me this whole year with having conversations about God and faith and spirituality and Christianity is is that if you can if you can retain a posture of kindness and and speak with people kindly and, and, and resist the urge to get angry or bitter or defensive. And if you can also practice the ability to, to, to look at your own positions or beliefs or whatever and go, you know, you know, I might've been wrong or maybe there was something I was missing. Mm. Um, if you can do those two things, you can walk with a lot of confidence because, because you don't have to perpetually prop up this image of yourself of always being right. Yeah. Uh, and and that's what we're doing when we're getting defensive. We're propping up this this image that we've created. It's almost like an idol in a way. It's like I've created this idol of my own belief of who I am. Mm. And when someone tells me that I might be wrong or I might be missing something, it challenges that belief. And yeah. um, and if you can get used to having that belief challenged and embrace the fact that like, hey, if I was wrong about something, and I can f- fix that that's progress you know that's yeah. growth um and if you can make that mental shift it can be really really fruitful i think in your life yeah i think it's a totally different way of seeing life as a whole like i mean for for a huge amount of people in life um i talked about this on instagram this week but like there's kind of like this in out mentality you arrive yes. you've got it you you take off all the boxes oh i now know what god is like what color are they like how they act when what they'll do on thursday you know i, I know yeah. exactly what it is and so i've arrived so there becomes this this danger to any change because if if there was a different 
answer, then it means my answers today are wrong and it means I'm shit out of luck. I'm not in the in crowd. I'm not saved. I'm, I'm unsaved and I'm deceived. So we have to be right. And therefore right. there can't be changed. There can't be a right. new idea. There can't be a I'm wrong. Um, and it feels like that's just something that Christianity almost like breeds in us. This black and white, here's your doctrines. Here's all the things that are right. Anything touches those and we get super defensive because, and it kind of makes sense, I guess, because it is a, a pretty high stakes um, issue, you know, to be wrong on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I. Th- we have these tendencies to draw boundary lines, you know, and who's in and who's out. And that's not a, you know, that's, that's as old as humanity, you know? Mm. Um, so it's a very ancient tendency uh, to tribal, you know, who knows how long, you know, in the course of human evolution, like we lived in small groups for the majority of the time that human beings have existed. And it actually, it wasn't until, you know, something like, I don't know, a hundred thousand years ago or something like that, where we really began to build slightly larger groups and we don't see real societies until the, you know, the Mesopotamians, Mm. which is what really recent 5,000 years ago or something like that. Or or, yeah, something in that range in that window. Yeah, for sure. I think the Sumerian culture was somewhere around 3000 BC, right. Or something like that. Mm. So it's like, we don't see real societies that, that grow beyond just a small tribe. We don't see that until like, 5,000 years ago. And yeah. in, in the course of human evolution, that's a that's not very long. No. Yeah. Um, so we're fighting it's a, it's against... It's a big adjustment. <laughs> yeah. So we're fighting against these instincts, right? Uh, mm. When we build these societies and we're trying to be more inclusive and we're... Th- th- there's elements of our past that are... That are f- that we have to push up against when we do that. Um, and that that's, that's not always easy. <laughs> yeah. No, it isn't. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like what we talked about with self-awareness. Like there's a lot of autopilot stuff going on just the way we're wired, right? You are wired for safety, not for truth. And so just yes. to just to go, actually, I'd like to know what's true here. That requires a huge kind of battle of the brain overcoming, well, the brain, uh, right? right? I don't even know what that means. But, you know, like it requires you overcoming your basic instincts, your basic kind of drive to go, I don't want to be safe right now. I know I want to be safe, but I don't want to be safe. What's yeah. really going on? That's a massive internal struggle. And it makes you realize, oh, it probably is a bit harsh for me to go, look at this idiot. They just don't want to know the truth. And it's like, well, of course they don't. They haven't wanted to know the truth for the last million plus years. You know, right. it's like, well, why wouldn't like, they want to know it? <laughs> yeah. I read this book about evolutionary psychology that, that blew my mind. Uh, it's called The Social Leap. It's by this, uh, oh, I've heard this, of this. Uh, evolutionary psychologist named William Von Hippel. And it's it's yes. awesome. It's 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 I recommend it. It's it's fantastic. But one of the things he talks about is that we're um, it, it's like you said, we're wired for for safety, not for truth. Right. And and his 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 sort of take on that is is that it, it appears that that human psychology developed early on with the goal of persuasion, not, not, uh, rather than the goal being the ascertainment of truth, it's the development of persuasion. And so, Mm. and so like our brains are wired to be more interested in persuade. I'm more interested in persuading you to agree with me than I am to understand your belief Wow. Or, or, or to even understand what's true. So persuasion is more important than truth. 
so strange, psychologically, eh? uh, at least as far as how we've developed. So, so that's really interesting. Like when I read that, mm. I was like, well, that explains so much that we see out there, right? Yeah. Like that explains a few of my conversations at Thanksgiving, or you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other thing along those lines that that uh, blew my mind was that uh, Sigmund Freud, the famous you know psychologist, uh, wildly misunderstood, I think, um, but he. He had this idea that religion was basically born out of uh, a, 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 the trauma of self-awareness, that human mm. beings developed consciousness and self-awareness. We became aware of ourselves. We became aware that, uh, you know, we're, you know, like children who become aware of their separation from their parents, that mm. they're a separate self. Um, when, when humanity evolved consciousness, um, it, he, Freud thought that that was traumatic in a sense, because for the first time an animal knew that they were going to die at some day that they, they discovered the future. They, you know, they, they realized that there's, there's, you know, potentially horrible suffering in their future as well. So it's like you discover all these, these things and, and, and you don't know how to explain it. And you don't know how to deal with it. Um, and and Freud thought that the development of religion was tied to that trauma, mm. that it was a way of organizing your life and your thoughts and your and your perceptions of the world in a way that was that, that you could you could actually handle it. Yeah. And that rocked my world to to discover that because in conversations with with believers, you know, sometimes now I'm like. I'm tempted to feel like they're clinging to something in maybe an unhealthy way. Mm. But now I'm sort of realizing like, well, that's a life raft for them. Because without that, they're forced to confront the trauma of life, which I can totally relate to because over the past couple of years, like deconstructing my faith and, you know, discovering that I, I didn't really, I wasn't really able to believe in God, at least not in the way that I used to. That was traumatic for me. I mean, I went to yeah. therapy. Like I, I was like, <laughs> I, I was like, it was deeply traumatic. And so that thing with that idea from Freud really rang true for me. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's there's something there. Yeah, I mean, well, this is. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Campbell's work, like Power of Myth. You know, I I know of him, but he's he's on the list of of you would really that enjoy I haven't that. gotten into yet. Yeah, you would really Power enjoy it because that's that's yeah, it's a fantastic yeah. book. Um, but he's got um, I think there's like a CBS like documentary on him that's like four episodes as well, and and I think that's quite good if you're like not you're like God, I've got so much to read. I'd much rather watch a few episodes oh, on love, YouTube or I, something. I actually that's probably, like uh, <laughs> reading because I okay, I feel like can absor- I feel like I can absorb things better. Mm. Um, and that's interesting. <laughs> Candidly, sometimes, you know, you'll get to a you'll get to a paragraph and you'll read the first sentence and then you'll read the last sentence. and You're like, oh, yeah, I get the I get the point. So, yeah, you can sort of do like, that on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you don't know what's, you know, what what's coming next. What if something no. profound happens? And if I skip 10 seconds, I'm going to miss it. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Not too much danger of that around me, probably. But yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, his stuff is so interesting though, because that is it. It, it. It's about the way that we frame our world in a story, and 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 I think yeah. and it makes such such sense that when you when you understand that like you know we're this collection of atoms and there's basically some gut bacteria that are like we'd like to survive, 
let's uh, make this thing a bit smarter. Uh, let's funnel some more resources up to the brain so it can think a bit better. Maybe it could work in teams so that we keep getting food. I mean, this is like really uh, on a very basic level, the gut bacteria is the person in charge here. Um, and, and that's the, developed our evolution. That's developed what, what we're doing. We're, we exist to keep some bacteria alive, you know? Um, is that so- his thesis? No, no, no. Sorry. This is just general, uh, general kind of evolutional kind of uh, oh, yeah. views. But the point being that, like, you know, that's bloody terrifying. The idea that, like, wait, what? So I'm not even really that important. It's just the gut. Well, of course you're important. The gut bacteria doesn't want to die. Uh, but, <laughs> um, well, yeah, and, but, you know, and- it's, it's a terrifying thing. So we have to start making a story of, like, oh, I'm a me. This is called Phil. And uh, Phil, he lives in, in, in a house with his wife, yeah. Tilly, and, and we're doing this. And, and all that actually is really going on on some very reductionistic, basic level is the gut bacteria is going, well, we got the body out of the rain, so uh, that will make it easier for it to produce foods to keep feeding us so we can keep, like, churning out or whatever. Like, it, it's a wild, like, concept, but, I mean, Well, that's yeah, humbling. The, it is. Well, largely, you know, we talk about the gut as the second brain, but a lot of scientists refer to the gut as the first brain, in a sense. Whoa. Um, I need to read yeah, on that. It's fascinating. It's really interesting. If you read, there's a good book called, I think it's just called Gut, and it's really fascinating. Um, it's all about how the, the body functions and, and the gut functions and how it, I mean, it, it, it makes choices throughout the body um, long beyond, beyond uh, you know, just like, oh, how do I, how will I pre- consume this milk or whatever um but yes it's fascinating but the point wow. being, it's, it's really terrifying if we stop and go oh yeah so i'm a collection of atoms that at some point kind of grew together in a womb got spat out and like and i'm hurtling through space on a rock i mean it's all terrifying stuff um and so we do we sit down and we go okay what story am i going to tell oh yeah houses that's important yeah not like i don't know i mean is a house more important than a tree like or am i more important than a dog Apart from yeah. the fact that I'm aware of what's going on, maybe, and I'm scared to die, and I know the future and the past, like, man, I can conceptualize right. those things, I can regret what I did in the past because of how it makes me feel today, and I can worry about the future. Like, maybe a dog can't do that, but other than that, am I more valuable than a dog? Yeah. I don't Import- know. Important to whom? Right. <laughs> yeah. Valuable to whom? Yeah, so, so, well, that's, yeah, that's interesting, like, well, that sort of gets into the idea of, like, are there objective values? Mm. Um, but okay. I, I looked up gut. I'm going to read that. Cause that's interesting. Cause I, I mean, I heard a stat somewhere that, and I'm going to get this number wrong, I'm sure, but it's, 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 it is this shocking, whatever the number, the number is, it's like 90% of the cells in your body are bacteria or something like that. Like, mm. like the reason why that's confusing is like, uh, the the cells that make up your organs and stuff are are much larger, I think, than right. the bacterial cells. But if you just look at the number of cells, the majority of the cells in your body, the vast majority, are are bacteria. Yeah, like I've heard said. this as well. There's more bacteria than there is you. Yes, and so it's like it sort <laughs> of it brings is. up the question of like what constitutes you? Yeah, because yeah. because there are they are they are. There are processes going on, especially in your gut, like you said, that without without which we wouldn't survive, right? Is that yeah. is that correct? No, for sure. Yeah. And like there's things like if you like if you zoom in on your eyes, you have little bugs that live on your eyes, like and they 
on your eyelids and on your eyelashes and they're consuming little things to keep your face all safe and we've got these kind of like it's a symbiotic relationship right yeah, so the, the yeah. gut bacteria and whatever i am is just some sort of symbiotic but it's so symbiotic that it's all kind of me like is yeah. that gut bacteria if i got rid of that gut bacteria and was like oh i've got rid of this gut bacteria i'd be dead right right like, i mean i'd be dead so it's so, like what what constitutes you mm. and then and then on a psychological level, there's another layer to that. And I'm going to bring Freud back into the picture here. So Freud was one of the first people to, to, uh, to conceive of the unconscious mind in an, in an articulated way. Mm. And, um, and in the unconscious mind, he recognized that there were multiple personalities. Um, and he, he conceived of those personalities in some ways as being separate entities. Mm. Like, like these entities are are alive in your psyche in a in a way that that they're actually like separately alive and and then they at various times they manifest themselves and they become embodied so an example is you know if you're really hungry like all you are is a raging hunger machine right all you can think about is food it's just going to be on your mind. It's going to be guiding all of your decisions. Like, how can I get to food? How can I get to food? Right. You know, if you're aroused, you know, sexually, like it's the same thing. It's like, remember being a teenager and like, <laughs> and like th there's all, all you can think about is sex. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like a certain drive or a certain personality manifests itself, becomes embodied and basically takes, takes control. And, and Freud thought of those as actually separate entities within mm. your own psyche. And then think about the fact that you can actually observe your own thoughts. So it's like if you're having so like I've got two toddlers the last couple of days, they've been pretty they've been pretty bad. <laughs> and so I get I get frustrated to get angry and and I get I get grumpy and I'm having a conversation with my wife and I'm, I'm just like, I know I know I'm irritable. Mm. I recognize that I'm irritable. I don't I don't want to be irritable. I don't want to be angry, but that's how I feel right now. And it's interesting that that's possible. Like yeah. Because I'm I'm experiencing anger, but I'm also stepping back and observing my experience of anger. Mm -hmm. And so you have to sort of ask the question, which is me? Which one's John? Am I the one who's angry or am I the one who's observing the anger? And, and you, I mean, I, you could criticize that question and say, well, that's semantics, but it's, but it's kind mm -hmm. of not, I mean, like, so, so this, this view of like what makes you is not such a, that's not such a straightforward question, right. you know, psychologically and biologically. It's like your view of what constitutes you is, has a lot of gray areas. <laughs> Right. It gets really messy really fast in almost any discipline, right? I mean, any kind of like ology, you start yeah. really digging in, you know, philosophy, theology. I mean, you could look at this from so many different uh, ways. Um, the beauty of something like, um, I mean, psychology is a bit more of a soft science, but, you know, something very much biology. I mean, we, we touch and feel this stuff. And, yeah. and, you know, but it is a thing of like, all right, I've cut your arm off. So is the arm you or are you you? Okay, it's both you. So are you less you? Like, yeah. at, at what point do we keep cutting parts off of John? And he's... Right not john anymore you know or things like okay so angry john getting frustrated with his toddler versus the person that's watching and going oh 
John's angry classic John or whatever, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's like if let's say you get over your anger issues, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, somehow you transcend being angry ever and you are able to deal with a hundred toddlers and go, ah, oh, toddlers, what are you going to do? Laugh it away. Well, it, did, did one John kind of absorb the other? Did the other John die? Like, yeah, which, where, the, where, what, where did what, he go? What happened? Where, where was yeah. that? Um, and yeah, because if that was you, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's a, it's a weird, weird concept. I think of this when I'm, I don't know if you've um, ever done in the past. I mean, you've quite a good Christian uh, upbringing, I think. But uh, (laughs) anyone that's done psychedelics, something like mushrooms or LSD or something like that, um, to a a strong enough degree, just completely like kind of steps into that observer mode um, to some degree, which I've done a few times and have been probably the most profound experiences of my life. With that, I don't even say that lightly. I mean, I I would say 100% the most profound experiences of my life. I have heard that from a number of people. I've you you really, really do observe. Yeah. And you're just, and you're, and there's such an indifference. There's a, huh, whoa, look at these stories I'm telling myself about this. And look at Phil, this body that is Phil, but it's not me. And I'm like, that's a kind of fun way to live. I'm sure I could live like that and, and have that story and frame the world like that. But it doesn't really does matter. It, like, it's such a surreal. Does it feel it, sort it, of like. It's that to 10 deg- times, you know? Yeah. Does it feel sort of like the dissolution of the ego? Like it's like, like so. There's different degrees to which I, I talk to people that have experimented in, in different ways because I think a lot of people, when talking about something like this, you know, these are they're fun party drugs for some people. They're therapeutic drugs for a lot of people. Like they've been proven again and again, and we're starting to move towards legalizing them for, uh, you know, cancer, for hospice work, for trauma. Work. Oh, yeah. So there's lots of different ways to engage with it. And I think at, at lower levels, I don't think, uh, generally speaking, in my experience, um, your whole ego dissolves. You do start like, whoa, this is crazy. This is a trip. This is whatever. Or you maybe have some profound thoughts here or there. But at the high high levels, they talk about something like ego death goes on. And yeah. I've experienced that three times. And I, I wouldn't recommend it. And yet I would s- sign anyone up for a, on the spot if I thought they were ready. Like, I don't know if anyone's mm. ready. Um, I didn't enjoy it once, but I enjoyed it tremendously once it was over and thought, whoa, that was probably one of the most important things I've ever been through. Wow. And, and I don't I don't fear death in a way that I can't explain to people. Um, but I used to oh, that's fear so death. interesting. So you, you used to be like you used to think about death and be afraid of it. And then you had this. Experience I didn't think about it much, it. but I can see that it was driving a lot of my decisions and a lot of the way I thought. And now I just go, oh, gosh, death. Yeah, that'll be there, there's an element of. Some of the experiences I've had were just, you step out of time, you step out of space. I mean, it's really hard to describe something that is right. just, and, and what this is, who knows? I mean, this is, could be just you going a bit crazy. You've just taken some hallucinogenic, your body's like poisoned, you know, you're, you're doing weird things. Like, we don't know. Like, a lot of people talk about this mystically, like you stepped into a true realm or the realm right. above reality. Well, maybe, but maybe also I'm just tripping balls. I mean, who, who knows, right? We don't, we don't right. really know. Um, but well, it feels it, that way, certainly. And it does something to the stories we tell ourselves. Yeah. Uh, to, to a degree, it's like, what's the difference? Um, because because I, I, I have spent some time thinking about, like, what's the difference between spiritual and psychological? Mm. And I'm not, I, I, I'm, not sh- I'm not so sure that I know how to separate the two. Because um, I don't know if you've ever gotten into the phenomenologists like Heidegger or Ben Swanger or Boss or Hegel to not a degree. Not deeply. Not um, deeply. 
it's like a total revolution in the way that you perceive reality. Mm. And so it's like Heidegger basically was like, okay, well, psychology and the sciences and all this stuff have have uh, attempted to describe the world in very empirical, physical, concrete ways. But like that doesn't encapsulate so much of what we experience as human beings, you know, and he's mm. like, you know, how do you what are the constituent elements of love? You know, what uh, what are the components that make up the experience of pleasure or pain? You know, it's like you can't reduce them. And so so he, he sort of said, well, let's wipe the slate clean and look at everything through the lens of human experience. Mm. And so Heidegger's view is that like uh everything you experience is real hmm. uh and and if someone's like well it's just going on inside your head heidegger would say well like what makes you say that that's not real <laughs> um because because his his point was that is that everything that we experience well i mean everything that there is for each of us is experience it comes to us mm. in the form of experience yeah and so and so you know, when I think about, you know, like your experiences with, uh, you know, uh, psilocybin or what, or mushrooms or whatever it was, um, you know, like those experiences are, are, are very real. And it's like, mm -hmm. whether or not you're tripping or experiencing a higher reality, it's like, well, you, you, it's, it's sort of all the same yeah. in a way, you know, Yeah. what I'm well, fascinated by is how it's, it, I've heard this from so many people that have had these experiences something sticks right it's yeah. like not just like an experience and then you come back down it's like no you're yeah. different now yeah and what do you think for you what are the things that's that stuck i think to me like it's you're talking about like you know oh, is this just a hallucination in a sense you start looking at things and go it's all a hallucination if you actually stop <laughs> and think about this if you actually stop and think about like well what is you know the fact that we can see is because there's something called light and we have eyes that developed a certain way to see a certain way like if, yeah. if our eyes developed differently i wouldn't see you i would see this explosion of like you know bits flying every i don't know what i'd see but it, it could be completely different if my eyes were accustomed to be slightly different maybe could see slightly more effectively or slightly less it, it, it could be so different and so in a sense, like this whole thing is a bit of a, it's, it's a story we're telling ourselves. Um, yeah. And, and I think that to me has just kind of like blown my world wide open, but also just experiencing. And again, you sound like a crazy person whenever you talk about something like this, because you're talking about something that, that kind of has to be experienced in a sense. Yeah. Um, but, uh, or at least concept, conceptualized or contextualized. Yeah. Uh, it's very hard for you to do that. You know, you, you explain to a young kids what sex is and they're going to go like, right? Because they don't have a sex drive. They don't have any kind of context for love in that sense. Yeah, um, it sounds but gross. And then you talk to someone about that yeah. with, to like a teenager and they're going to get horny, you know? So it's just a totally different um, context yeah. and different things. So, but it feels like in a sense, you're talking to someone that just because they've not got that drive, that experience, that whatever, they're going to be like, wow, you sound a bit crazy. But, in a sense, stepping out of time as well, like 
almost just it feels like you almost freeze everything and there is just it's very terrifying a lot of these experiences i, I my wife was laughing at me because we were talking about this and, she, and she's like you don't do things by like halves ever like you're you're like <laughs> when you when you went to try and do um mushrooms you, you research and you go okay what is like how do i get the the, the experiences how do I, I i'm bypassing the the the, the therapeutic i'm bypassing the fun i want to go to existential dreads terror life-changing spiritual encounter straight there that's all i want to do don't care about anything yeah. she's like most people would go like oh maybe just try a small amount have some fun no i'm a bit safe with this no 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 i'm just all in um so i think like there is this thing of like you you have these radical encounters and you go what even is time like what is time yeah. if we stop and talk about this you know you talk to a theoretical uh, physicist and they're going to really mess with your head and and taking something like that you also do that as well you kind of start and go well, this is a weird thing we're kind of like agreeing on. We, we agree on it. That's really the only, but like you're saying like right. it tells, it, it, the subjectivity of all this, right? Yeah. It, it's so subjective. What is, you know, you talk about people like Heidegger and it's like, well, what is real? Oh yeah, this little thing, I observed this. So we know this is true. And it's like, well, you observed it. You observed it. Well, yeah, but they observed it too. Okay, cool. But you observed them seeing it. And then you heard them say to you that they agree. You might be a duck living on a tomato in the sun. I don't know. Having a hallucinogenic, a hallucinogenic experience. I don't know, right? I mean, we're still well, you get working then, through you get this. To the, the whole brain in a vat kinda... conversation, you know, it's like you don't know that you're not a brain in a vat being fed electrical impulses. Like, Absolutely. Are we all in the matrix, right? Feeding machines. Yeah. Um, and of course, like you know, the simulation, all these different things, like, of course. But my, my point is, I guess there is some level of skepticism of like, well, let's just hold this a lot less tightly. Yeah. Um, and agree that I we're mean, all kind of telling point, these stories. Yeah. At some point you have to come back down to earth because you have, we have to like live our lives. Like mm -hmm. those gut bacteria demand satisfaction, Phil. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm fascinated by um, the way that matters of faith and religion interface with people's like, needs and mm. the the way that it interfaces with uh people's need to organize their lives in such a way that they can make sense of it and find meaning yeah um and and you know sometimes you hear about human beings being conceptualized as like happiness seeking machines but i, I don't think that's right i i think we're we're in a sense meaning seeking machines yeah which which encapsulates happiness to a degree because when I'm doing something deeply meaningful, I am happy. Yeah. Um, but but happiness is is like a byproduct. It's not if it's not something you can go straight at. Um, there's this there's this. Uh, uh, I don't know if he's a philosopher or what he's considered, but Zizek. Are you familiar? With Slav Slav. I, I'm going to pronounce his name wrong. Slavoj Zizek. But he said happiness is a byproduct of striving for something greater or something like mm. that. And, and, and you can never achieve it by aiming directly at it. Um, and I think meaning is the thing that we really are seeking. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that's, that's what I've been wrestling with the last six months is like when you step back from, the apparatus of Christianity, which is what was providing my life with a lot of meaning. Yeah. Like, 
when you step back from that, how do you rebuild a, a, a new framework f- for meaning seeking? You know, how do you, yeah. how do you find meaning? And have, have you, have you sort of had those experiences and, and, and how's, how's that played out in your life? It's, it's interesting. I, I don't know. I think I am probably very driven by meaning, but I don't know if I think about it enough. Um, but it's really common. Like I get this message daily. Yeah, um, I'm because sure there is this yeah. thing, like the second you let go of, um, even like a concept of God, you may even keep God, but the, the, the concept, a concept or a part of it or a, a, a part of how you frame your faith, it has this knock on effect on like, well, what's my purpose or why are we here? Or, you know, like if, 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 you know, uh, if there isn't a, we fall, then Jesus saves us, then we get saved, then we save others, like, you know, this like, and then we all right. get to live in heaven. And like, there's this kind of like, nice laid out kind of A, B, C, D, we get to Z, we're all happy. Right. Uh, so as you kind of like start knocking a few of those components out, you start to go, wait, well, where are we going? What's what's happening here? It's, it's a very, um, it's a terrifying thing, right? I mean, that's where a lot of the existential dread comes from is yeah, like, it's very we like feeling we're on this kind of path. Um, and so when people start like taking the path apart and going, ah, let's just wander around, it's fine. That's a very, um, it's a beautiful way to live in a sense, right? It's nice to, instead of going, if you go for a walk with your family, instead of going on a, a nice basic trail, you know, we, we don't want to walk on a, on a sidewalk through San Diego. We want to go and like walk on like, you know, through a forest and explore it. That's a much more exciting and, and fun thing to do. Um, possibly, I don't know. Maybe you want to just go to the shops. Um, oh, I like them both. <laughs> Yeah, well, exactly. But if you're going to the shops, you want a sidewalk that leads you straight to yeah. the shop, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh-huh. But there is something exciting about going, oh, let's just go to the forest and let's, let's see who can find the biggest twig, you know, the yeah. stick or whatever. Or can anyone find a berry? Don't eat that. Um, you know, like whatever. Um, that That's fun. It's exciting. But it is, if you just did that constantly, I mean, mm-hmm. humans evolved away from it, right? That's probably what yeah. we were initially is just sure. kind of aimlessly wandering around trying to find any food to feed the gut bacteria, um, you know, so we could survive another day. Um, and at a certain point we were like, maybe we could build a society. And then once we have society, we go, oh, maybe I could be a police officer. I could be a farmer. I could, you know, we, we start to build these roles for ourselves. And, and I think Christians, regardless if they're an accountant or a pastor or whatever, there is this kind of spiritual meaning, the spiritual purpose, mm-hmm. a spiritual component that when you take that away, being an accountant doesn't feel very meaningful. Being a, a professional footballer or a, a videographer or whatever, it doesn't yeah. feel as meaningful when you take away this kind of eternity, this God in the sky giving you a pat on the back for doing it or guiding your steps. And and that's a really hard thing to replace. Like it's a, a really tough thing to replace. Yeah. What what in your life, like what do you feel like is the is the greatest source of meaning for you? And you know in the after all the journey you've been through like where do you find meaning primarily i think i make meaning i think that this is the thing that if you take a step back and go well hold on what have we been doing right so again it's a bit like the observer and you take a step back or you you take some psilocybin or you meditate or whatever it is (laughs) right or you hang around with some toddlers whatever it is that tosses you to step outside and go what is going on here um maybe toddlers is a good example of that um you, you take a step back and you look and you go i've been doing this all along anyway I just agreed with a lot of other people, but I, mm-hmm. at some point I took a step back. I, 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 I sat down and went, yeah, this is the meaning I'm going to agree on. Now, maybe I was born into it. I didn't have much of a choice. You know I mean? Of course, there's lots of components as to how much we choose to, to make that meaning. Right. But we still make it. At some point we're going, 
yeah, I'll buy in on this. There's a god in the sky. He wants me to do good. But don't worry if you're bad because Jesus died. It's all right. Yeah, cool. And then what's the deal? We go to hell or heaven or we're not going to go to hell. But other people are so we should get them to heaven. Great. Cool. Now I know what I'm doing. Like we at some point we're buying into this on, on some level. And so at some point we can go, well, hold on. What what would be a different story I would buy into right now? Like looking at the world the way I see it now, what would I buy into? And I think for me, what I found really helpful, I don't know if you've kind of read much of like atheists and, and, and secularists, humanists, people like that, that don't have a God. When mm-hmm. you read about how they create meaning, how they frame the world, you realize, gosh, yeah, that, that would give me a lot of meaning if I saw it that way or you know and you start to realize mm-hmm. yeah I could do that like th- of course um, I think I've you lose the security could... of the authority figure yeah. that's given you it that's that's the, what that's I was about to part. ask about yeah so I, I have found that for people that are um, that are from a Christian background specifically that are accustomed to their meaning sort of being given to them in, in a certain form it can be very difficult to develop the the almost like the motor reflexes or the motor skills to to build your own meaning. Yeah, because it's sort of it feels. I, I think at first, on some level, it feels counterfeit, because I yeah. think in Christianity, there's this sense that like anything that comes from you is inherently bad, right? Mm. We any goodness in me is coming from the Lord. And, and I'm inherently bad and sinful. So like me trying to make my own meaning, that's the that's the absolute thing that has been that I've been taught to avoid doing my entire yeah. life. So <laughs> it's a difficult thing to sort of go into like, oh, that thing that always seemed bad is actually maybe the answer. That's yeah. hard. That's a hard leap. Um, yeah. And and uh, yeah. I, so how I, have you gone about that? Do, do you feel like you have made progress in navigating that in learning to trust yourself to kind of believe you have a bit of an internal compass that you might be able to create your own meaning like or is, or is that something you still wrestle with kind of like this kind of thing of like well, don't trust john it's a You'll process all sorts for of me. mischief uh it, it's a process for me I, I i'm still i'm still working on it um i i have moments where i feel confident and i'm like mm. okay i know who i am i know what i want to do in life I, you know, and then I have other moments where I just question everything. Um, and and the, the, the hard thing for me is that I, I feel like I feel like Christianity did provide like a um, like a, a, a an anchor. It, it provided mm. some sort of certainty that I could <clears throat> that I could t- attach myself to and and I could always come back to when I felt uncertain. Um, yeah. And then without that, it's like, well, when I feel uncertain, what do I go back to now? Yeah. And I, and I think for a lot of people, that sense of being unmoored, uh, that sense mm. of being sort of just adrift is really, really terrifying. And, um, yeah. and, and it's not so easy to replace that. Um, and yeah. especially if you're, if you're replacing it with uh, make your own meaning, you know, I yeah. think for people who are so accustomed to, to receiving uh, meaning from something or like yeah. at least receiving instructions on how to perceive meaning, you know, it's very difficult to, to make your own meaning. I saw, I saw this, <laughs> I saw this meme that makes me laugh so hard and I'm sure you've seen it. In fact, I might've even seen it on your page. I can't, I can't remember, but uh, it was, it was basically, it said something about, um, 
you know, what Satan whispers to you. And it was like the meme was, uh, you know, Satan doesn't whis- doesn't Satan doesn't say to you, believe in me. He whispers into your ear, believe in yourself. And and the and the caption was Satan sounds rad as hell. <laughs> Or something like that. Seriously, like, where can I get Satan as my life coach? Yeah, it was like, I think the caption was like, the caption was like, I, I know this is supposed to be, uh, uh, like, making Satan sound bad, but he sounds rad as hell. And, oh, and so that's funny. just, like, such a funny observation because it is true that in Christianity, I, I actually think we're taught to... Um, we are taught in Christianity to be suspicious of ourselves. Mm. suspicious of our own motivations suspicious of our own desires um and and because of that like this whole like believe in yourself thing like at least in the christian circles i came up in in, that would have been people would have been like "Mm, no no you you don't want to believe in yourself you want to believe in in the lord yeah well the heart is wicked above all things and yeah all this kind of stuff that you oh no don't trust your heart don't follow your heart um well and like i I even i even you know like in some of these uh online you know engagements i've had you know sometimes see in the comments like oh john talks about feel he uses the word feels a lot like like i'm criticized for just talking about feelings how you feel too much and i'm like but that's where we all live yeah you know like like reason is fine I, i i i think rationality is important yeah but like, well, that person that's commenting that isn't like literally like a robot just trolling the internet to find inaccuracies. They are commenting because they feel upset that you said feel. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, it's like at the end of the day, right? It's like the uh, angry pastors like yelling at women because they're, they can't be leaders because they're too emotional. And they're, they're like red in the face yelling about it. And it's like, feels like you're being emotional here. Yeah. Are you sure you can yeah. be a leader? Like, yeah. it's, it's such a you can't see your own... Uh, component of that right you can't right. see that you're making your yeah. own meaning you can't see that you're being driven by feeling etc yeah i i totally yeah. agree so I, I i think unlearning that 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 thing of like don't trust yourself don't trust your instincts don't trust your feelings i think that's important to unlearn yeah well how have you gone about doing that like what, what are the practical things that have kind of moved the needle for you in that area i mean i mean i mean practically like when i'm when I'm contemplating different points of view on things, you know, I, I try to read books from all kinds of different people. I mean, in the last year, I've, I've read books from Buddhists. I've read books from atheists. I've, I've read books from Christian, apolo- you know, apologists. And of course, like, I'm getting these wildly different perspectives and points of view and conflicting claims about what the truth of reality is. And, and it, you have to sort of, like, make decisions about what you believe based on something Hmm. and and i have sort of i've i've come to this place where i i slow down and i and i go what is my intuition telling me yeah and and i've been criticized for for talking about intuition um and people like well you can't trust your intuition and i'm just like well what else do you have because right. a Christian will be very quick to say, well, I, I, uh, you know, I, I go back to what the Bible says <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, how do you know that the, that that's trustworthy? Uh, and then they'll, you know, give a bunch of 
answers of, of, of one kind or another. And, and I'll go, well, like, well, how do you know that, that those reasons for believing the Bible are trustworthy? And when it comes right down to it, it always comes back to something along the lines of, well, it has tracked well with my experience. Yeah. And that's an intuition. So it's like, like, cause it, you know, from a, a purely survivalistic point of view, it's like human beings, we are better off when our perception of the world, uh, if we can make our perception of the world as close to reality as possible, that's good, right? It's, mm. it's better for our survival. We can make our way in the world more, uh, more adequately, more successfully. If, if our perception matches reality as close as possible, yeah. it's never going to be perfect. But, um, but you know, so I, 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 I sort of lost my train of thought there, if I'm being honest. <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's, it's really interesting because I think that matching perception to reality is, is, it's interesting because when you think about like how a lot of religion, you go back far enough, right? And you look at the kind of, I don't know, we're, we're sacrificing our virgin daughter so the sun comes up tomorrow, you know, right. because we have to, someone has to sacrifice one of their daughters every night so that the sun beats the moon god or whatever, right? I mean, like, we're, we're talking about primitive points where we, we, the sun goes down and we actually shit ourselves, right? We're like, oh my God, what's going to happen? We don't even think about the fact that this has happened for like our entire lives and it's always come back, but it's always come back because we killed someone or, you know, we burned some grain right. or we slay a cow or whatever. We did a moon dance or, you know, to ward away the moon and to bring back the sun, whatever it is. But the point is at some point, um, we had to create a story to make us feel safe about something that was a very terrifying thing to us yeah. for some reason. Yeah. We our our perception, our reality, the way we frame the world, we didn't really understand. So it just goes dark sometimes. And like, this what animals come out they might eat us while we sleep this is bloody terrifying so we start creating a moon god and a sun god and we, we and then we have power over bringing that sun god back and pleasing the sun god at no point would even christians would agree with this hopefully uh at no point did anyone actually like meet a sun god or the sun god came right. down and was like right guys here's the rules this is how it works there's a moon god sun god gonna need one virgin daughter every every day you better get on producing those maybe big, build a bigger tribe um you know like this is this is just something that we kind of made up to feel better and then at some point someone like was like hey guys i, I made this thing called a telescope and i've been looking up in the sky i think we're just kind of spinning around this thing called the sun and because of the way the earth spins just every now and again we can't see it it's over there but it'll be yeah. fine it'll come back tomorrow like it's always done and everyone's like oh good we can stop killing our daughters right or whatever right right um, as we move on um and and there's this thing of like we are getting to the point where so many of our concepts of what is god what is uh this religious practice if we stop and evaluate they make so much sense to a certain group of people at a certain time you're like of course you were terrified about this of course you yeah. were worried about this of course you um you were obsessed about women's hymens not being broken if if that kid wasn't your kid it would ruin your lineage and you had no way to ensure that it was your kid and uh, and whatever but like now we've got contraception we've got you know yeah. uh you know uh, lots of medical procedures we like virginity is a totally foreign concept it, or it should be a foreign concept to us today compared to what it was when it was to do with women or property and power dynamics and so we yeah. consistently should be reevaluating these stories that we're telling ourselves and i think the danger is when we don't what it causes us to do is actually our perception our reality are drifting away in, in, in earlier at time they were kind of 
trying to close that gap by giving us something that would work, but we didn't know what would. So we just made something up that kind of went, oh yeah, the sun's gone down. Well, that's because the moon god's fighting the sun god, but the sun god's going to win. It's fine. But as we drift the other way and people start talking about, you know, the earth and the earth is spinning and the sun, if you're still talking about the sun and moon gods, that is now drifting so far apart, yes. those perceptions and reality, that you're going to create a lot of issues for yourself. And I feel like that's what a lot of Christianity is doing for itself. It's creating these huge issues with backwards ideas, purity concepts, or needing the yeah. earth to be 6,000 years old. Or, you know, it, it's it's creating these crazy narratives that's causing it so much trouble um yeah it seems yeah, to me it's, it's it bizarre. seems to me that that there is a period of time where a certain set of beliefs really serves you and then you grow and and you discover that that set of that way of looking at the world isn't serving you like it used to mm-hmm. um and i think christianity is in a you know a, a place now where there are beliefs within Christianity that are still serving people well. So I'm I'm not one of those that Absolutely. that thinks that thinks that it's like this. Like I don't personally think that Christianity is strictly speaking uh, a way of people holding on to power. Like I think that people have abused Christianity to have power and hold on to it. But I don't think that's what it is at its nature. I think there are things within Christianity that are, that have been very good for people and beneficial for people. Mm. But the problem with any belief set that's not updatable, which any belief set that's based on like a scripture that's not updatable, you're going to be able to update your interpretation of that scripture to a degree. But it's like, you know, we amend the Constitution here in America, but we don't <sighs> amend scripture. Yeah, And scripture is much older. And so it's like... Well, yeah, you're going to have some things that as culture evolves, as our understanding of the universe evolves, there's going to be some things where it's like people are going to have to start choosing. Do I hold on to the traditional sort of interpretation of my faith or do I do I trust that as a culture and as a species that we're do I trust that this growth we're experiencing is good? Mm. You know, Um, like here in, in the U.S., you know, a few years ago when same-sex marriage was legalized, my gut instinct immediately, my intuition was that, like, that's good. Mm. And I wanted to celebrate it, but I was in a Christian band in a public space, <laughs> and I knew that I couldn't say that publicly. Right. Um, and, and you know, I was like, if I say that publicly, probably we won't have a career anymore. And then I remember Dan Hazeltine from Jars of Clay saying that publicly more or less. And then yeah. I didn't see Jars of Clay around the, the Christian festival circuit anymore no. after that. Yeah. So it's like confirmed. Um, so, so like that's one example. Yeah, terrible intuition apparently as to where yeah. that would go. Yeah, I mean, or he I, think, I, think he, I think he might have known. I don't know. I haven't I, I'm pretty sure it. he would have known. I don't think many people grew up in Christianity and think that that's going to go well for them. I think they just yeah, come to a point yeah. where they go, okay, I, I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. So, so... I think there's a number of issues on which Christians are put in a difficult place where it's Mm. like the culture you're being uh, you're participating in is saying that these things are not okay, But then but then society as a whole is is growing into a a wider and more inclusive uh, space. And when it comes to homosexuality, transgender issues, uh, women's rights. I mean, r- racial issues, which, you know, 
here in the U.S. particularly this year, that's that's come yeah, back huge. up in in a way that you know it's like if we're being honest with ourselves, we ha- we have to admit we haven't dealt with that fully, um, and so uh, I see all these issues in, in which, especially even the evangelical Christian Church in America, is is clinging to certain ideas when the the rest of society wants to grow. Yeah. Um, and, and what I'm mm. seeing is a number of people like myself who grew up in the church and, 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 and can't, and, and, and feel like it's actually like Christian beliefs, at least the way they're expressed by the majority of sort of evangelical Protestant Christians in the U S and North America and the Western world, I guess, as a whole, um, that 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 belief set is actually it's limiting our ability to to love people as fully and uh, affirm people as much as we want to and and so i i think this movement of people away from christianity is sometimes characterized from inside the church as being like a, a a a descent into sin or like a you know a rejection of traditional values and mm. and what I want to tell people is like, no, what I'm seeing is like people that I know that are stepping away from Christianity are often doing it because they feel like it's not allowing them to love and affirm yes. people as much as they want to. Yeah. Um, Huge. It's a journey towards inclusivity and and kindness and affirmation and love, not away from it. Mm. And if if I feel like if if Christianity and the sort of Christian culture of the Western world doesn't rec- recognize that and come to grips with it, it's, it's become, it's going to become far less relevant really rapidly. Right. Well, it will become the group that worships the sun God. I don't remember right. what they're called. Do you, do you know anyone that does that? Like that's really, you know, give it 50, 100, 200 years. I don't know how long, Yeah. yeah. but if if they don't work they they are losing this battle um it's it, it's it's a really painfully slow transition because of yeah. that even when the majority is is kind of moved on um it's it's interesting it makes me think of like you know you talk, you mentioned the constitution you know it makes me think of something like um I remember reading um, recently that in America, consistently again and again and again and again in polls, the majority and a good majority, like 70, 73, 75% consistently around that kind of number, uh, want gun reform. Not necessarily banning all guns mm-hmm. and get rid of them, but yeah. they want some form of greater measures of, of safety around yeah. the topic of guns. So no question, America as a whole would like this to happen. And yet, consistently they're like well that's an impeachment uh, uh, infringement on the constitution that's a the, yeah. you, know, you can't touch this document that we have which of course we're talking about a part of the document that was added on so we would yeah, change the, the document amendment, anyway right yeah um, so it so was already something we added anyway um, yeah. but but it, it, we, we we hold to and i think it's interesting even the bible right i mean we look at that and it's like well actually hold on the Christians that are clinging so hard to spot, they don't read it the same way as the Jews. They changed it. Correct. Right? So yeah. at some point we, we change it to the point where we're like, okay, we're done here. Now no one make any changes. We're good. Everyone's happy. Right. Done. We're going to kill anyone that changes anything. Um, yeah. And it feels like we do this in some, I guess the reason I bring that up is I guess it's not inherently Christian. Um, I, no. I know there might be overlaps between those two groups, of course, but you can look at just uh, another 
category as someone like American and they do it in a different area for a yeah. different context uh, where the majority is wanting to move forward in one way or another. And I, I think most people would say trying to make something like a gun a safer um, tool uh, would be a move forward. Um, yeah. And yet a, a minority going, no, 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 don't, don't, our worldview, you're, you're messing with that. Yeah. Um I'm Canadian, it's, it's a so the gun, the gun thing in the U.S. is very strange to me. Um, mm. But I also try to recognize that as a Canadian, there might be cultural things that maybe I just like don't totally get. So yeah. I'm trying to leave a space open for understanding that. But I'm with you. I'm sort of like, why are we so precious about our guns? I don't understand. But, you know, I'm still trying to understand that one yeah. a little bit. But yeah. well, I became a lot more open to guns moving to America and spending four years in very, very kind of right wing part of America. Right. And, yeah. and, and I was like, oh, yeah, like before I was like, oh, guns. Why would you? Why would you? What, what's the thing? Why like, do you need a just gun? Don't have them. That would be easier. Yeah, you're, you're statistically um, less safe if you have one. Exactly. Right. Now, why do you protect my family? They're going to be murdered and raped. And I'm like, are you like the head of the mafia? Like, yeah. who, like, does that happen to people often in America? Are I don't you know making, if I want to be in America. Are, are uh, you making like, those kinds of enemies? That often? We don't have, well, yeah, we don't um, have guns and most people don't follow it. But I, I did, right. I, living there, I was like, oh gosh, yeah, I, under, oh, I understand this is fun. It's great for sport. It's, uh, I, I understand hunting. I'd love to hunt a bit more. Um, like I understand all these things and I get, I get like the concepts of freedom and, and some of the yes. undergirding concepts. I'm like, yeah, like I, I totally stand for those things as well. And so coming back to Europe, I was like, oh guys, they're not entirely crazy here. This is, right. there's some real well, points here to be made. The end result, I'd still like to see changed, but it, yeah, it, I, I feel the same. I, it's fascinating. I, I, yeah. I think to go back to what you were saying about uh, revising beliefs, like, I, I was thinking about this the other day and I posted something about it on Instagram, you know, that I, I was raised in an evangelical sort of, con, you know, situation and, and the evangelical movement, you know, is a Protestant movement. So it, it came out of the Protestant movement and the, the Protestant movement came out of the Catholic movement. The Catholic movement came out of the early Christian sort of church uh, before it was, you know, fully orthodox and, and, and articulated that early Christian church came out of a Jewish apocalyptic tradition, which was second temple Judaism Mm -hmm. that emerged from sort of the first temple Judaism. That's probably not a correct term. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm butchering probably all of these terms, but you get what I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's constant. And and Judaism emerged from a a vast landscape of polytheistic beliefs. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, when we when we question our beliefs and wonder if there's a better way to be, we're not rejecting tradition. We're participating mm. in it. Yeah. And and um and that's what I see uh you know, the, for instance, the progressive Christian movement trying to do. Like yeah. and for all its faults, like there's problems. Uh, you know, like Often when I when I read progressive Christian thinkers, I, 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 my tendency is to think like, well, you've got the problem right. I'm not sure I, I agree with your solution, but I, I see what they're trying to do. It's like mm. how there's things about Christianity that that a lot of people don't want to let go of because it provides them a lot of good things. But then there's also things like, well, I don't want anything to do with that, like telling mm. women that they're that they have to sit silently in church. You know, that's in the New Testament. I don't want anything to do with that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, the affirmation of slavery in the Bible is is quite clear. I don't want anything to do with that. Um, yeah. And and so I, the progressive Christian movement, I, I feel a lot of empathy for because I'm like you're you're trying to hold on to this while you're moving forward. And for myself personally, on a much deeper level, letting go of this thing has yeah. has has made more sense for me. But I share this sort of desire to hold on to something because I I, I don't, you know, like I think a lot of times when people step out of a faith, they, they're very quick to look for a new identity and that new identity often becomes criticizing the faith they just came from. Mm -hmm. And, and I think there is a, there is some value to that because you have to look at it critically and go like, what, what was I onto and what, what were all the problems with that? And how can I untangle all that? But at some point you have to reorient yourself and find a new way of being. Mm. And I feel like that's the phase I'm in now where like, yeah, I can, I can look at Christianity and I can poke all these holes and I can explain to you all the issues I have with it. But what I'm really interested in is how to be in the world in the healthiest way I can um, and and bring about the most good. Yeah. And and that's what I'm chasing now, I feel like. Um, do, yeah. you, do, you, do you feel like that's the, the phase you're in or what, what does that look like for you? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, <laughs> it's interesting. Um, I, I, I saw it, you posted the other day, you know, you toasted... Um, uh, Deconstruction without reconstruction is destruction. Yeah. Is that always you, right? Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. I feel like I saw it and I was like, ooh, we'll talk about that. Um, and, and I think there, there is like this, there seems to be like a whole different bunch of groups that want to frame what deconstruction is. And, and there's people that are like, oh, it should be just, you know, deconstruction right. and you move on and you do something else. Or other people are like, oh, no, no, you should reconstruct. You should like, you should, yeah, let's tear apart Christianity, but to the point of building Christianity into something new again, maybe like more kind of progressive. Sure. Um, there's mm-hmm. all sorts of different people that have the different ideas of what we should be doing. And, and then, and, and then you're going to have different stages, right? So people will be in a place where, um, their deconstruction will look very de- de- destructive. It will look yeah. very much like burn this well, fucker to the ground. You know, like well, that's honestly, a very natural like, thing for a lot of people to do. Well, and like anyone who's ever done a renovation, yeah, in a home, yeah. it's like you start with demolition and it's destructive. It's yeah. not clean. It's messy, but it's necessary. So yeah, yeah. When I when I say you know deconstruction without reconstruction is just destruction. I'm not criticizing the destruction part, you know, that Mm. needs to happen. Yep. I just know that like, I can't live in a demolished kitchen, you know, after the demolition, we have to build something new and it doesn't have to be the same thing, but, but you can't live without building something. Yeah. I think that's my question. I I guess the thing that, um, reconstruction is such a triggering word for so many people because I noticed that (laughs) it's used by Christians. That's, that's why I think on the whole, Uh, it's it's used consistently by pastors to say, oh yes, yes. Well, you deconstruct, but you know that you need to reconstruct, you know, like, and, and what they're saying is that you question your faith. You ask all these questions, you tear things apart, but you'll be coming back in three weeks uh, or a year or 10 years. And, perhaps and I, I don't think that's necessarily that what it should mean. Yeah. Uh, 
But yeah, but so I guess my question is like, when we talk about something like that, like, you know, you deconstruct a house, right? You're, you're like, you, that can look like so many different things. It can look like I've just wiped out my kitchen and my dining room and I'm like extending it entirely into my garden and it's a nice like update. And it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's moderate, uh, sizable at work. You don't want to be around the kitchen anytime it's getting, uh, work done. Um, but this is still going to be the same house. I'm going to look around the house and go, yeah, same house, right? And you might think something like progressive Christianity might be something like that, where it's yes. a major overhaul. We, we gutted. A couple of things are gone. And we built something new in their place that are totally different. And and I think progressive Christianity does that really well. You know, an amazing movement for people that are looking for something like that. But I do think there's certain people that are going to maybe got absolutely just knock the whole thing down and build something right there in its place and, and build yeah. a whole new thing. And then there's a group of people as well that, that deconstruct because this building is unsafe and it's built on a bog. And we just need to knock it down, pack up and leave and find some solid ground to build on. Now, I'm not saying any one of those positions is the truth. I'm saying right. different people will approach this differently and find a different truth or, or thing that yeah. works for them but i guess the 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 question is when we talk about reconstruction is like we're talking about is this a, a mild deconstruction or reconstruction like a tw- tweaking <laughs> of what we're doing is it uh rebuilding in the same place are we rebuilding a faith in the same kind of like framework and things like that? i think it's hard not to you can't lose who you are right i mean mm-hmm. you are christianity in a sense because that's where you came from um or are we literally burning this down, moving on and becoming a, a, a pagan Wiccan or, or, or whatever, right? I mean, who right. knows what that looks like, right? Uh, well, I think when you when you adopt a new belief set of, of any kind or when you, you know, when you or when you get better at building meaning for yourself in some way, I think you are reconstructing. I guess I didn't I didn't realize the degree to which that is sometimes associated with a with a, a return to Christianity. Did you like, did you get a lot sure. of comments from people that did seem upset oh, about it? I or got not hot, really? Or? I got hot takes. You always you get know? that, right? Um, but that, that's expected. <laughs> uh, you know, a, a lot of people saying, "Well, you shouldn't rush. Like, you shouldn't rush the deconstruction mm. process." And I agree with that. Like, when yeah. you're taking things apart, like you, you should take your time. And and to come back to intuition, like I think. You'll know, you know, I just knew, I I knew that I went through a period of, 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 I was just, I was soaking up information about Christianity that I hadn't realized before and like Bible contradictions Mm. and theological issues and all these things. And I was, I was, I was to a degree almost enjoy, I hesitate to use the word enjoying because it was actually not really an enjoyable process but but i was very interested in taking it apart yeah and and like a morbid curiosity almost yeah it is a morbid (laughs) curiosity that's a good way to say it um but i definitely i hit a point where railing on the the inconsistencies of christianity no longer felt satisfying Mm. and i i felt like for me i was like well I'm a husband. I'm a father. Uh, I, I I need to find a way of being in the world where I can be healthy and be mm. productive and be present for my kids and 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 serve my wife well and um and so I need to build something um and 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 that became sort of the thing that compelled me more than like more than taking apart my old faith you know i like i felt like i got to the end of the deconstruction and i was like 
you know, it's not like I'm, it's not like I'm no longer looking at that stuff. Like I still am reading and, you know, learning a lot more. There's, it's almost endless what there is to learn. Yeah. Um, but I'm now doing it with the, with the goal of like, how can I get to a healthy place as a human being? And, 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 and how can I live, how can I live better? Mm. Um, and, and what, what beliefs and, and perspectives are going to help me in that aim? Yeah. Uh, and that's what reconstruction means to me. So it yeah. doesn't mean a return to Christianity necessarily. Although for me, it has involved a renewed appreciation for my Christian roots. Yeah. And, and recognizing like, Hey, you know, there's actually some stuff that was imparted to me by Christianity that was good. And, yeah. and, by nature of being raised in Christianity and also raised just in the Western world, to some degree, I can't extricate myself from Christianity be- because I've been so influenced by it on so many levels. Yeah. And so have you. And so have, you know, all of us that grew up in a Western culture. And so for me, I guess that's sort of the integration and the healing yeah. of yeah. of going like, Hey, I don't have to I don't have to believe that Christianity is right about everything to believe that it was touching on some things that were good. Yeah. And that feels like a healthier perspective. Yeah. Than me just wanting to tear it all down. Yeah. I do I do wonder if it's possible to do that early on. I I I constantly I don't play with think, this idea. I don't think I'm it trying is. Think you... to help people get to that place as quick as possible, but and and I'm and at the same time I'm like it doesn't really matter if it takes you 10 no. years or 10 minutes. Um but it's certainly a nicer place to exist at times. Yeah. It feels a bit more peaceful. And, well, and you'll um, know when you're ready, traumatic, you know, yeah. for each person, like they'll know when they're ready to get to that place. Yeah. You'll wake up one morning and you, you, you'll be like, I can't stay angry Yeah. or I can't stay hurt yeah. or I can't stay bitter. I don't want to live that way. And, and so you find a way to integrate integrate all of your experiences into a healthier perspective yeah and that's you know i think that's the goal and i think even people who are in the hardcore deconstruction the destructive phase of that Mm -hmm. i think deep down that's always the desire the desire is to get to a healthier absolutely I think I don't um, think anyone deconstructs to no end. They, I mean, generally speaking, people are deconstructing because they were seeking a truth. They were, like you're yeah. saying, trying to trying to love more purely, and they're like, "Well, I yeah. can't do it with this truth. So, can I approach this Bible verse differently?" And then before they know it, they're kind of slipping down the slope and like, oh, "Jesus, what do I hold on to?" Like you know, like <laughs> yeah. lots of things are falling apart. And but that's a natural process. Um, in our research, so we're doing research into the deconstruction community. Um, and, and we've got a rough framework because one of the biggest issues you have when looking at this is in the researchers I'm talking to and they're going, so what's a deconstructing Christian? Define that for me. And I'm like, uh, 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 interesting. So we had to, that's where you had to start is we had to actually build a framework. So I mean, it links back to Derrida's like work on deconstruction. He, he's mm-hmm. the father of deconstruction. And I mean, it's a very, it's a technical term. It, it, it has definitions and, and, and categories in which that is deconstruction and this is not. Uh, and one of the things that in doing that research really helped frame the whole process for me and helped me understand as well is that you can't deconstruct without reconstruction. It's the same thing. 
it, it, it's uh-huh. it, all it is is we're looking at one truth so th- there's three components basically that we have that is if you tick these boxes you're deconstructing if you're not you're not deconstructing you can still call yourself deconstructing if you want but you're not um because there's a lot of people in that bracket because they found a bit of community around this community and stuff but they're not technically deconstructing they're just evolving in their faith or changing their faith or whatever but the first one is that they have to um question core values of their faith tradition so if you're not questioning the core values of your faith if you're just questioning uh well is mid-trib really the thing maybe it's post-trib like, <laughs> you're not deconstructing okay That's you're not deconstructed yeah you're maybe a bit it of a pain in the ass your pastor or something but yeah exactly you're not you're not yeah. weeping at night um but the second part is that you then have to find that they don't add up and you change your core values so you change those core traditional mm. values to your faith. Um, and, and so it, there is uh, adoption of a different outlook. It might even be my new outlook is I'm not really sure yet, but it, it, you, you do adopt new views. And, and if you're not doing that yet, you're, you, you are starting to deconstruct, but there's this other component there of you are needing to change your core values. They don't add up, so you have to change them. And then the third part, which is really interesting, and this is the bit where people either don't tick the box or do, is you walk away with your new values less certain of them than you were of your last values. There needs to be a shift from fundamentalism to less dualism, less black and white, less fundamental, a a, a humble holding of this new idea going, I don't believe that anymore. I kind of believe this, but please note the word kind of. I'm not, and I'm going to live my life as though this is absolutely true, maybe, but I'm still going to hold it lightly going, uh, probably going to be wrong somewhere at some point on some of these ideas. And I think that is what draws the line. So, cause what I look at someone like progressive Christianity, I think at times people that are deconstructing will go into something like progressive Christianity, but actually I think often they're then going to leave if they're really deconstructing because something like progressive Christianity still is fundamental. It still holds a black and white. It still says, well, this is the truth. You have to believe this. There is a God or Jesus did this or this is what Jesus' death means or whatever it is. They're going to have some things there that is like, no, we're we're pretty fundamental. We are certain of this. Just as certain as we are, we're as certain of this as John Piper is certain of Calvinism, right? You know, like we are in. Um, And so they don't tick the box for deconstructing, actually. They just tick the box as someone that has evolved their faith, maybe. They've, They've changed those core values but they haven't let go of their certainty. And I think that's actually just a later stage in human development is to start to hold your values a bit looser and, and lighter. Um, so yeah, I think that's a really interesting component. And I think that was the thing that, that jumped out at me is I was like, I think these terms are so problematic. Anyway, deconstruction, I mean, the fact it's called deconstruction is really problematic, right? Because we think of a house being deconstructed or knocked down or something. Um, so it feels very destructive in in itself, right? It just, it does. Um, but, and I think I saw a couple of people commenting on your thing going, you can't deconstruct without reconstructing. Like it's kind of like this cyclical thing. You can't get rid of one belief without embracing a new belief. Often it happens the other way around. You find a new belief and go, that makes more sense. And you chuck the old one out or however that works. It's really interesting. Do you have thoughts on that? Like give me some thoughts or initial thoughts. That's so interesting. Well, I I don't think I've ever heard deconstruction defined or like that you know i don't think i've ever heard it defined uh in a concrete way um that's that's super it took us a long time to do that so that's probably why (laughs) um yeah so i i think i i think that 
that is a process that is incredibly painful. And that's why we are so often resistant to it. Mm. Um, and, and for, for me, I mean, it's weird. There's an element of, there's an element of, there's a part of me that embraced that journey and, and, and really liked it. Maybe that's the contrarian sort of like challenger part of me or whatever. Um, but, but then there's another part that really grieved the loss of the old belief set and the old way of seeing things and the, the old way of, I guess, orienting myself and, Mm. and making my way in the world. Right. Um, when you make something new, you know, it's like whenever you, you start doing something new for the first time, you kind of suck at it, you know? And so like developing, you know, your own meaning for instance, or like you're, you know, like trying to grow beyond a a perspective. That's just something that you inherited. Um, when you first embark on that journey, you are going to suck at it. Right. Mm. And, and you're going to have to be confronting people in your spheres of influence that are practiced at defending the old way of being. Yeah. And so at the very moment where you, you are the least proficient at, at like asserting your own meaning and your own perspective, and you're the, the doubting yourself the most right at that very moment you're you're confronted with the community very often that's very good at defending the old way and it can just be really really difficult wow. for people cuz i i mean i know so many people and i'm sure you do too that uh that they question but as soon as they like bring up a question they feel like they get like an, a quick answer from their community or their pastor or their church or whatever mm. and then and then it's just sort of like okay well just now we dealt with that now stop talking about it and I know so many people who don't feel like their answer, their questions have really been answered, but they, but they don't feel like they can, they don't, they don't, they don't feel resolution. You know, yeah. it's like, it's like they've been giving, they've been brushed aside and, and they don't have the confidence to, to be like, no, 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 no. Like this is a real problem and this has not been addressed. This has not been fixed. Yeah. Um, and, and, it takes it takes a lot of. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm sure you're familiar with the Enneagram. I'm an eight, so I'm the challenger. So, like for me, it's in my nature to be like, "What? No, 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 no! I don't. I, you know, <laughs> I don't buy that." Um, and to challenge authority and to challenge existing views. But for some people, it's just too exhausting. Like for my wife, she she's just like, oh, I just can't. Like, <laughs> you know, I can't do. I, I, yeah. I can't think about this as much as you do. I can't read about it as much as you do. I can't challenge it as much as you do. Um, even though she agrees with me and she's gone on this journey with me and she she feels a lot of the same things that I feel. So, um, yeah, it, it, I think for different people, it shows up in different ways and different timelines. And um, one of the things that you're doing that I really appreciate is that you're, you're making an effort to create community around this process. Mm. And... And a lot of times people don't, people need, I mean, if this is a journey, people don't want to take the journey alone and, and it's, yeah, and for good reason, you know, it's yeah. not an well, easy it's, journey. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. Yeah. And especially so, like you're talking about there, like you, this early stage, you're so 
fragile because you really are going, I have no idea. All I know is I'm really not very confident about what I used to believe. And yeah. I have no real confidence in anything else right now other than right. I'm pretty sure what I used to believe is wrong. I don't yeah. know what's right. And then you've got all these people barking at you going, well, this is wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Um, and then you're you're looking for a community. Maybe you stumble across the word deconstruction and you find that. But what you find is not much certainty there either because I talked to one deconstructing person and they're an atheist. And another one is an agnostic. And another one went to right. become a progressive Christian. Another one went into Orthodox Christianity. Another one's a Buddhist. And, uh, and yeah. you're like, so where the feck am I going? Like, what's going on here? Like, what right. is happening? It's, right. it's, it's very uh, destabilizing. Um, and I think this is, I think this is the importance of community is, is just helping people, even if it is this very varied landscape, seeing people that are just a little bit further along on the general thing of becoming more comfortable with your uncertainty. So if you're deconstructing that third component of having less certainty in your life, and you talk to most people that are older, that's a part of growing up. You start to realize the world's a little bit less black and white. It's a little bit more yeah. gray. There isn't as much certainty. Now, how many times do old people say to young ones, they're like, well, when you grow up, you'll maybe feel a bit different, you know? Yeah. And it's usually not because they're being fundamental about something. They're just saying, well, maybe you might realize there's a few flaws in that perfect plan you've come up with at 17. Um, right. And, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm still like that, right? I still go, I've got it. And then I'm like, I'm trying to remember like, ah, I felt like that before. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so I think one of the things that the community does is it just helps you kind of be around people that are a bit more okay with being uncertain, even if they are atheist or agnostic or spiritual yeah. or whatever, they can go, look, you're going to find a bit more peace about this. You're going to find that there can be meaning that you can construct or whatever. And I think the danger is that people that don't find that, they don't find some safe people to kind of look towards and, and, and grow with is we mentioned at the beginning, people are looking for this authority figure. They're looking for certainty. I find this and I frequently recognize it in my messages, people coming to me as their next guru, their next pastor, mm. their next authority figure. And they go, well, so what does the Bible say about this? And what do you think? And so is there a God and is there a heaven? And I went, oh, I don't know. I, I'm intentionally not going to, I am going to really push their uncertainty buttons and yeah. really refuse to give them an authority to go, oh, Phil's my new answer guy. I did this for right. the first couple of years. When I first started doing this with people six, seven, eight years ago, I, I fell into the tracks. I was like, well, I've got some ideas and let me help you. And, and, and what I didn't realize is I was actually, I was almost reconstructing people that were trying to deconstruct. I was giving right. them answers. And actually, so that ended it, up not being it, helpful. It stopped them going on the journey in a lot of ways. Um, and maybe some people want to stop and that's okay. But I do think we need to be careful. We don't do that accidentally, yeah. uh, become these answer people, yeah. um, but actually create a room for uncertainty to be okay. Um, it's a well, really interesting dynamic. Like, yeah, I think it's okay to resist labels too. Mm. Like, Like that's one of the things that I've wrestled with i mean i can't tell you how many times people have been like so like do you consider yourself an atheist now are you agnostic and are you you know like what are you and and none of those terms seem to sum up where i feel like i'm at yeah um and and so so i've just kind of gotten content with not using them yeah um because and realizing that when we ask someone, you know, are you a Christian or are you an atheist or are you agnostic or are you a Buddhist or what 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 have you? Like what's happening there is is you're trying to take a shortcut. Mm-hmm. You're you're trying to 
you're trying to get you're trying to use a word to skip past a bunch of conversations yeah um, i don't really want to and, get to and, know you i want to yeah. know which box you fit in yes and so and and unfortunately like it, it's not like the words are meaningless they do have meaning um and it's not like it's it's not like you shouldn't ever use the word christian or atheist or something like that but i've tried to resist the urge to ask people to identify mm. as one because it because i what i'd rather do is have this conversation and yeah. and and discover that your views are very nuanced mm. and yeah. um and i want to know about that you know yeah. and and your your experience and your perspective and and if you choose to use a label in that conversation, then great. That's you can yeah. do that. But but you're only going to do that if you feel like it really reflects where you're at. And yeah. And so I I sort of use labels like that very hesitantly because I just don't think it. Um, I, I there isn't a word out there that I feel like sums it up for That's me. That's me. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Uh, there isn't. Uh, I haven't found one. Yeah. Um. So John Steingart, there you go. There's two. <laughs> There's but two. It's, it, it's if you combine them just right. Um, there's a the thing with the labels is like they're so flawed anyway, right? Because if I said to you, "I'm a Christian," right? What would you do with that information, right? You'd be like, "Oh, what kind of Christian is he?" Like, right? I mean, immediately because oh, yeah. you're like, "I know enough about Phil that makes me question that statement." <laughs> Right. or whatever right um, well and how or, many or, times or, growing or, up as a as a christian yeah. how many times did you say like something along the lines of um oh well like oh so and so they're not like a real christian you know? right oh no they're they're catholic they're or, catholic or they're, yeah. they're uh they're first baptists we're not first baptists it's we're always it's baptists. always the catholics oh gosh it was an easy one right because we've made up our mind on that 500 years ago whereas the the yeah it's more nuanced do we keep the pentecostal ones in or not because they're only 100 right. years old so well and it's um, like it's like with the catholics yeah. oh they're so bound up in superstition and legalism that's not that's not christianity <laughs> <laughs> and then and then yeah. you and then you sort of go through the process of deconstruction you look back and you're like oh superstition and legalism huh interesting okay. <laughs> But then you realize, oh gosh, I'm still doing this on some other I'm level. Still probably, doing it. It, it's just still it's, doing it's it. so consistent. But yeah, with with the label thing, like it, it just is so problematic. Someone goes, "Are you a Christian still?" And I'm like, "Well, what does that mean to you?" I could say yes yeah. and make you happy because I could say, "Yeah, I'm a Christian. I grew up a Christian. Uh, like uh, a vast majority of what I believe has been framed by Christianity. I love Jesus. What you know, like, there's lots of things I could say that yeah, cool, Christian. But that doesn't mean what you want it to mean." So if I yeah. say yes, am I, what are we, are we done here? Or are you just, am I setting you up for disappointment? Because if you follow me for another 10 minutes, yeah. you're going to be really angry um, because Christians don't do X. Um, right. And so it's just, it's such a problematic thing because even the labels, even something like atheist or agnostic can mean slightly different things to different people. Yeah. Um, and so it's just, it sets us up for uh, heartbreak, disappointment, frustration, because yeah. we don't like when our stories get challenged right and so if yeah. i start creating a story around you before i even know you i'm gonna get upset because you're probably not gonna fit the box that i put you in um it's just it's fascinating it's really interesting yeah. and it's amazing how do you get this like how much people do not accept that answer um, what the non-answer really, yeah like going oh i'm just not choosing to label i don't really identify with anything right now people get pissed about that i, I found i have uh, encountered a that a ton okay um what I've encountered more 
is people thinking that they know which word applies to me mm. without me saying it. And then, and then, you know, making assumptions based on that. So, so especially now it's like, like a, a number, a lot of people will be like, well, you're an atheist. And I'll, and I'll be like, well, did I say I was an atheist? Um, and, and even like, it, it's a, it's a weird thing, right? Because like Buddhists, for example, Buddhists don't believe in God per se. So they're not theists. Yeah. But it wouldn't really be accurate to call them atheists. Right. I mean, like, it's not a word that you would use to describe a Buddhist. It might right. technically be right, but like that doesn't do it doesn't. It's not a it's not an it's not a word that like makes sense to label them as. Yeah. And so I kind of feel that way. Like, you know, I, I, I'm just like, well, I, I, I think because I don't consider myself a theist at this point, but, you know, I just finished this book by John Shelby Spong called Why Christianity Must Change or Die, which is mm. like, I have a feeling he, that title was not his idea because it doesn't, his tone doesn't is so, yeah, his tone is, his tone is so kind and gentle and like, and not aggressive or adversarial, but that title is pretty aggressive and adversarial. So I'm like, maybe a publisher thought that was a good idea. That's funny. I don't know. But, uh, but his, his, in that book, his, his question is, can you be a Christian without being a theist? Which is a mm. really interesting question. It's like, well, can you be a, can you consider yourself a Christian without believing in like a literal God being, mm. you know, and, and, and Spong more, more thinks about God as like an essence, uh, more like the ground of being like Tillich's sure. ground of being. And, uh, and so that I, I, I'm very curious about that. Like, are there spiritual practices that can be that can be incorporated into your life that kind of resemble Christianity, but but without being theistic in in nature? Um, yeah. And I don't I don't know. Uh, maybe you know. Um, so I'm 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 curious about that. And I, I you know, the journey's never over, man. You know no. that. Well, that's it. Um, so I continue to find myself curious about spiritual things and about Christianity and about God, whatever God means. Um, and, and I, I'm dissatisfied with, uh, pure physical reductionism. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm just dissatisfied. It's not enough for me. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people feel that way. Do you feel, um, do you still feel what you may have felt like very early on, like that, that initial drive is going, well, this is wrong. I need to find what's right. Do you still feel this drive to go, if I, I need to figure this out or does oh, it yeah. feel, yeah, oh, you yeah, still that, feel that dri driven, like I, I, I got this, I, I, I'll, 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 I need to figure it out. Yeah. Because I, I still like every couple of months I'll have, I'll, I'll, I'll find a new idea that blows my mind. And that proves to me that I haven't exhausted this, you know, yeah. this realm of inquiry, you yeah. know. Um, Do you think so there I is an exhausting? Do you think there is a, like, I, I mean, because that can be uh, in some sense almost reductionistic of like, if we just look at this long enough, hard enough with the biggest telescope or magnifying glass we can find, we'll get there. We'll, we'll figure it out. Like, do you think... Do you feel like there is this component of like, we can figure this out, we can arrive, we can 
become the Buddha and, and, and become enlightened or, enlightened. You know, or whatever, or become Enoch and walk off into the sky with God or whatever the, the tradition of your fancy. But, right. there, you know, in different traditions, there is a, we did it. You, you got there. Um, yeah. I, do you think there I, is? I, I, probably not, but, uh, oh, hold oh. on. No worries. My, I can fix that. Don't worry. So this is one of the disadvantages of using a DSLR. It has a very long lasting battery, but it is a battery. Yeah. It doesn't run off power. You can't like plug it in and just run it off the power. I, I have to get it. It doesn't. No, I have to get a dummy battery. Dang. But I'm back okay. now. Um, Welcome back. Probably to, to answer your question, probably not, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, and I don't know is a phrase I'm getting a lot more comfortable with. Mm. Yeah. Um, Do you think there was a specific thing that occurred that caused you to feel more comfortable with the, I don't know, like, can you kind of mark a point in your journey where you went, oh, gee, I don't know, but it's okay. Whereas before you were kind of like, I don't know. And it's freaking me out. It's, it's, it's terrifying. It's frustrating. I think it was a, a, a sense of exhaustion for me. Mm. Of just like, I'm tired of not being willing to not know, hmm. you know, like I just, I think, I think the, the desire to learn more and to understand more was fueling my sort of deconstruction process. And once I started it, there was so much there, you know, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like there's things in the Bible. I've, n I did not realize we're in the Bible, like numbers 31, how God basically told Israel to take sex slaves or like was totally mm. fine with it. Like that's horrifying. And, and, you know, no wonder no one told me about that particular passage. There was never you know, a Sunday service on that one in your church. No, funny <laughs> enough. Uh, but, um, there's all these things in Christianity that once I started taking it apart, I'm like, well, that is sort of messed up and uh, or really messed up. And yeah. and and so there was some momentum there of like, OK, I'm going to get to the truth of this. I'm going to get to the truth of this. But I, I never felt like I arrived. Hmm. I, I felt like it was always like, well, OK, I've made some progress, but there's so much more there. And um. And, and it's like, I, you know, like I told you earlier, like I did reach a point where eventually I had to start building something new that I could use to live mm. um, because the, the, I was I was taking apart my old way of looking at the world and I needed a new one. And and for a time, I, I feel like I tried on a number of different, you know perspectives on the world and reality and none of them felt like they encapsulated the whole thing yeah. it's almost like it's almost like every perspective every religion every every way of looking at the world is like touching the edge of something and like we're all you know it's the old metaphor of like the elephant i'm sure you've heard this right metaphor. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's like it's like a bunch of people i, I don't know if i'm gonna get this right but this is how i remember it there's a bunch of us and we're all uh, grasping in the dark, trying to figure out what it is we're touching. And it's an elephant. But whoever's touching, you know, the trunk thinks it's a tree. Whoever's touching the, the you know, the uh, the ear thinks it's like a velvety, you know, something or other. I'm, this is I'm butchering this metaphor. But it's like we all 
are we all seeing in part mm. you know and 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 second corinthians you know like then i saw in part you know or like right now i see in part but in in the future i'll see the whole and i think mm. that's the that's the desire for all of us that's the thing yeah. that fuels this process is like i want to understand the whole but can we ever understand the whole i i don't know maybe not yeah it's it's interesting someone the other day was talking about um hell as being uh, sorry heaven about like you know when we get there we finally know everything and we know god perfectly and we know absolutely everything there is to ever know and we know everything about every part you know i don't know we just suddenly absorb all truth and knowledge and i'm like i kind of sound shit like there's a moment where you're like at the end of the movie where it all comes together and you're like oh yes that makes sense and it amazes you and that 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 would be nice right yes but then the movie but then you've got eternity going what do I do now? Right. I mean, right. I, 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 and I don't know if there is an eternity or a heaven or, you know, but, the, right. but this idea of like getting it down anyway, I'm kind of like, I kind of enjoy the figuring it out. Like I kind of enjoy this process yes. on some level. So here's, here's, here's something that I've, I've stumbled across recently that sort of wrecked me. Um, a big part of my process has been the problem of evil, which I'm, I'm sure it is for a lot of people. It's sure. Like, well, yeah. If God is all powerful and all loving, why is there so much evil in the world? And, um, you know, you can, th- this, you can have that philosophical conversation and there's so much there, uh, that we could touch on. But what I find interesting is like, why is there good? You know, um, it's almost like the reverse problem of evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, well, why does evil exist if God exists? Well, then it's like, well, why does good exist? If, if, you know, where does all this come from? Um, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying good can't exist without God, but it is curious that good exists. Mm. I'm curious about that. Well, and then I think about, um, Immanuel Kant had this idea, like he actually thought that it would be, I'm trying to remember how he formulated it exactly, but he he basically was like, the the fact that things are hard is what makes them meaningful. And and if they weren't hard, they wouldn't mean anything. So when we struggle and when we face challenges and we face hardship, that's actually what's what's bringing meaning to our lives is uh, is is overcoming those things. And so a world with no evil and a world with uh, no suffering. You know, I, 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 I have a huge issue with suffering and, and it's been a, so the last thing I would want to do is, is minimize how hard life is for people. Sure. But I also go like, if absolutely everything was frictionless and easy and, and would there be less meaning in my life? And, and I mm. think the answer to that is Yes. And I don't know what to do with that duality because on one hand, I'm so grieved by the suffering I see in the world and how hard life can be for so many people. But then on the other hand, I I go like, well, if it was, at least for myself, like if I didn't have any challenges to overcome, what would I, what would life, what would bring me meaning in life? And so there's this Mm non-dualistic sort of truth here. It's like suffering is horrible but to a degree 
I don't know what my what meaning my life would have without it. Yeah. Um. And in that conversation, there's obviously like there's the risk of minimizing people's suffering, which I do not want to do. Sure, absolutely. But but I also, you know, I also look at that and I go like, well, what do I do with that? And I don't know. <laughs> there's I don't know again. You know. Mm. Um. The only thing I can think to do with it is is cultivate a sense of humility mm. and go like, okay, like on one side of the coin, it doesn't really make sense to believe in an all loving and all powerful God in the face of so much suffering. But then I think Kant is right that that without anything to contend with in life, you know, life would be much less meaningful. Yeah. It's interesting. This is how, I mean, I, I love Buddhism and I, I really resonate and, and kind of am drawn to a lot of uh, Buddhist kind of tenets. Um, and, and someone I think that makes it so practical and a- applicable is someone called Byron Katie. I don't know if you've come across Byron Katie. Oh, stuff, the work. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely yeah. incredible. But like, just, you know, re- recognizing that suffering is me telling a story about a thing that isn't that way you know it's, it's, it's perception reality right so you you go um i mean it could be horrific it could be horrific it could be my mother died about three years ago coming up for three years um very young 59 wow and that is young. the suffering yeah. there is people shouldn't die at 59 yeah people should live 80 years or 90 years or whatever right but people should live a certain right. amount of time so if someone dies at 30 if someone dies at 50 it's wrong well is it because it happened. Mm. So I can create a story that says that that was wrong or I can go, well, this happened. It, yeah. it is. It, there's no, me wanting it to be different doesn't change anything apart from create a lot of inner turmoil. So it's this kind of component of like you erase suffering on a sense by going, well, things happen because they happen. Like the re- reality is, is king, you know, reality is what is. Um, but the, and this is something I really wrestle with, with um, Buddhism. I talked about it with her husband, actually, Stephen Mitchell. Uh, uh, he, he's, he's a Zen Buddhist. He knows his shit. I mean, he's got it down. Yeah. Uh, you talk to him and you're like, yeah, okay, just keep talking. Like, just right. tell me how to live life. It will be fine. Yeah. Um, and and I, I was trying to get out of him and, and he did say some profound things, but I just think on some level, it's the looking at something and going, okay, that happens, sure. Yeah, it happens. So me not creating a story around it and not creating any pain or suffering around it. Sure, I could do that. But would I then stop it happening to the next person? Would, you know, you look at who develops the best cancer treatments. It's people that lost someone to cancer. Mm. Who, you know, who creates airbags in cars? Someone who just got, like, their wife got decapitated going to the grocery store at 12 miles an hour, you know, or whatever, you know. It's like cars were not good initially. And if we all were kind of like, yeah. Yeah, they died. Okay. You know, if, if we somehow, even if we, through a spiritual mechanism or a, a psychological mechanism, got rid of suffering, we wouldn't move forward, I think. Right. We'd be very static. You know, it is that, that tension, that, that going, ah, world shouldn't be this way. I'm going to make it the way I want it to be, the way I think it should be. What is that? What is the thing where we say, this is good. This is bad. This is the way it should be. This is the way it shouldn't be. Um, you know, we talk about morality, but like morality, it seems on some levels very universal. It seems in other levels very culturally contextual and it seems very historically contextual. Mm-hmm. But we all agree 
at some point, well, this is the this is it, right? We all have an ethic of some sort. Even if it's yeah. different, we go, no, the world should be this way. And you're not allowed to do that because that's wrong. Or where does that come from? Like, what what yeah. is that? You know, um, it's a fascinating question to I explore. Think, uh, I think life is very curious. And um, the more deeply you dive into things, the more often you run into things that feel contradictory uh, and it's difficult, you know, I feel like you bump into a contradiction in almost any pursuit if you go deep enough. Mm. And, uh, and you know, that's, I don't know what to do with that. I think it's really curious. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's fascinating. It's really, really interesting. I love it. Oh, John, this has been Dude, amazing. I've really enjoyed great chatting. Great talk, man. Um, absolutely loved it. it is, you're one of my favorite people to chat to. Um, oh, honestly. thanks, man. You this too. Is just, I, I love just sitting down, chatting, and I don't even know. Like, I'm, I'm going to have to... I tried to take a few notes as we were talking because I'm like, I'm just so engrossed in the conversation, I'm going to forget <laughs> everything we said. Right, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, who knows what this will be called. Uh, a rambling I know, with right? uh, John Steingard. We could just... Yeah, uh, well, we covered a lot of ground. We really did. It was great. Yeah. And we'll definitely, we'll have to do it again at some point as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that you, you know, I know you're saying, you know, what is the motivation to still be in this space? What is the motivation to still yeah. get on a podcast? Or do that? But personally, I love it. I, I love the, the way that you are approaching these conversations. I love the way you're putting your stuff out there. I love the way that you are giving people space to engage with this and, and explore it. And, you know, you, you're, your husband, you're a dad, you've got a company you're running, you know, you're doing your videography. Like you don't need this shit in your life. Right. right. Like, but, but there's so many, but I kind really of, appreciate but it, I kind so. of do, um, is what I'm finding. Like I kind of do need it. It's um, beautiful. you know, and I feel, I do feel like this is part of what's bringing my life meaning right now mm. is, is, you know, sometimes I get tired and I pull back, you know, like, especially on social media, like I have, I have, the last month or two I've pulled back quite a bit partially because it's like the election stuff is so weird and everything was so charged here. It's like, I just didn't want to add my hot take to all these things. Um, but then I get a message from someone who's in a very real life scenario and, and they're struggling with, you know, whether it's their, you know, their faith or their culture or their sexuality and, and somehow something that I've said or, or written was meaningful to them in a way. Mm. And I go, Oh, like I, that means something to me. You know, I, I really, Mm. if, if, if me sharing this process, uh, can be meaningful to anyone else who's walking a similar path, then like, yeah, I want to do that. So that's kind of, what I've, that's kind of where I'm at. (laughs) And if that's not a beautiful meaning to create is helping people find meaning. I mean, yeah. like, right. If, if that's all hey, we're that's doing good. is we're making this world a bit better for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like that well, seems good. <laughs> I've been thinking about, um, following in your footsteps and starting a podcast. You need to. Yes. And, um, how would you feel about me using this conversation as episode one? Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Do it. Absolutely. That's amazing. Uh, but, Tell me about the etiquette of that, because this is like your show. And we had this conversation with the assumption that it was for your thing. Yeah, but we can we can have it for your show. That's fine. No, we can do both. Yeah, I mean, both can be a kind of cool, fun crossover. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Is that is that cool or is that weird? Yeah. 
No, that's cool. I like it. If it's weird, weird, you can tell me it's weird. No, it's not weird at all. It's just awesome. I mean, it brings value to both sets of people um, for sure. So no, yeah, if you want to, let's do that. I mean, I'm also very happy to just come on and do another one or you can have one where, you know, we have (laughs) another conversation. I mean, so, but this was a good I feel like this conversation was so great because it was so back and forth and, and, and you shared about, you know, your, your thought process and, and we, it was such a ping pong. Um, if you're comfortable with it, I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. Let's do it. Let's do a, a, a joint, uh, podcast, uh, coming out. Yeah. I, the only, I don't know when you want to release your podcast, but I am on a tight schedule right now. Cause I was planning on bringing your episode out on Monday. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> Is that all right? No, that's fine. Yeah. What I, what I, what I might do, I probably won't put anything out until early next year. Cool. But I, but I, I still think this conversation's evergreen, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I, I, that's why I love about these kind of like, just sit down and just, Blah, like, right. I mean, yeah. what are we doing? We just go, what's happening in life? What, are, what is going on? What is meaning? And we just bounce back and forth. Yeah. I love that because when is that ever going to not be relevant? Um, yeah. and yeah, and, and I like, I, I always try and get my podcast to be a conversation. And it's funny. We talk about like, you know, does anything ever get in your head or like, you know, how you're, it, it gets in my head a lot, the comments, because the, the negative comment I get about my podcast consistently is, shut up and let the other person talk that's what i'm here to listen to you got, you got this great person on i want to hear them talk and i'm like it really eats away at me sometimes i'm like oh maybe i should just not have as much of a conversation but then i'm like well actually they're gonna just do the same spiel otherwise right is it yeah. going to be unique if there's not yeah, that's it yeah. like if, no, it, I, it, it needs to be a conversation so i i, I love that and that's why i'm always kinds, trying to create that. yeah it's like there's different kinds of interviews too and it's like a back and forth is way more interesting to me then, um, you know, like part of the reason, like if I tune into Sam Harris's podcast or Tim Ferriss or Rob Bell or whatever, you know, part of the reason I'm tuning in is because I want their perspective. And and so yeah. that's people that listen to your podcast. They they don't just want to I mean, they want to hear Phil Drysdale. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like it's like well, if I may be I, the guest today, but but you you know, it's your thing and people want your perspective. And I think that's, that's, I've nuked a lot of my really early podcasts. If you've gone, gone private now, but, um, if you go back and listen to them uh, back in the day, they would work very much. I was just like, I tried to get people to monologue, like, tell me about this topic. Yeah. And they, uh, and then, all right, what about this? And, uh, but people sent me messages going, Phil, like, can you like either do, do some episodes where you just talk or like, cause we just want to hear you a bit more. And so I was like, Oh, I never thought about that. Like, it's hard to think about people wanting to listen to you, right? You're like, I get all these amazing right, yeah. guests on and I'm like, I'm not in the mix for that. You know, I'm not one of these amazing guests. I, right. That's why I'm having this thing. Um, so, but I, I do think there's something beautiful about a, a conversation. And honestly, I want to have this conversation. And, and you know, I, I listen to a lot of these people like, you know, Tim Ferriss, Joe Rogan, a lot of these people. Like, I'm like, I, I'm listening to this because it's a conversation. It's an interesting yeah. conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Joe inserts himself it. into it a ton. Yeah. Nonstop, right? I mean, yeah. you know, I, I'm an expert on foot fungus. Well, have you ever done DMT? You know, I mean, like, obviously, you know. <laughs> That's the answer. Yeah. To, it's the answer every to time, every right? Question. You know. Well, yeah, but, but you know, do you do jujitsu? Like, yeah. you know, every time, like, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> worldly expert in volcanoes. Have you ever tried Brazilian jujitsu, though? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, on a technical <laughs> level. So question for you, I've been, I've been recording. I have the audio locally. 
Uh, I've been recording this whole time. So I have yep. like my, my audio locally. I was using a recorder down here to record my video. Okay. But then uh, did it cut about, off the battery? About an well, bef- a little bit before that, I noticed it uh, about an hour 21 into the conversation. It I guess my card filled up. I nice. I didn't realize that was going to happen. So I started uh recording here on Ecam. So okay. You, to be so, honest, you look pretty good on Zoom, so I can always okay. use that as a backup anyway. But okay. if, if you, you want, want me to send to... me what you've got, that's fine. But if it's a lot of hassle, if it's broken up into lots of bits, and do you want me to just it. send you the audio, maybe? Yeah, it's fine. Or, or yeah. do do you typically use the audio through Zoom? Um, I usually use the audio through Zoom and then clean it up. But if you've got a local audio, I'll definitely take it because it's okay. always better. Well, uh, why don't I send you the the um the local audio, and perfect. then uh, if you want some video i can send that yeah i can like i'll I'll let you know if if the video is crap but it looks great anyway so Um, that's fine and then Uh, and then i wondered you know if you wouldn't mind uh because i wasn't recording video in your your video i can send you the video if if yeah whatever video you put together you know if i I have a separate camera that's why if you ever notice i'm looking slightly off to the Ah. side it's because i'm very limited in my options but i have a just a regular hd kind of handy cam thing so yeah it's um, not. It's not gonna. It, it'll make you look good. It, I'll be a good right. episode to have first. <laughs> right. Oh, and though that saying that, as someone that does interviews, like get ready. Some people they're like, uh, I'm in a darkened room with the window behind me, yeah. and uh, I'm recording on my headset, which I keep hitting off my face as I'm recording it. You right. Know, Great. Yeah. Perfect. You've nailed it. <laughs> yeah. It's all good. So yeah. Oh, oh, there we go. See. There we go. What is right, this man. camera? Well, it's I'll weird, send you this. But... Um, I'll send you this uh, uh, audio, audio, and then let me know if you need anything else. No, absolutely, we'll do. It's great, dude. I'm looking All forward right. to your podcast. I'm excited, really excited. Yeah, I mean, what I so what I want to do is is do it's like a I want to do a podcast and YouTube show basically, mm. and um, and basically explore going beyond previous you know, points of view. So I haven't totally figured out the name for it yet, but all the most inf- interesting conversations I have are, are pushing the boundaries of previous thought mm. or belief. And so like, that's why I actually, I thought I, I literally, I've been mulling this over and I have a list of people that I kind of want to talk to. And you were on my list and I was like, well, I know we're going to talk today. So like, depending on how the conversation goes, I wondered if it might make sense to do something like a joint episode or yeah. something like that. Um, but I just kind of wanted to see where the conversation went. And as you were talking, like when you defined deconstruction, I was like, that's it. Cause it was like, cause that's such a good starting point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, because oh, it can awesome. be a kind of a floaty thing. That's the goal. I mean, so. what we're doing with the research, I'm, I'm literally um, launching the research, our first uh, report next week. Um, I can send you a, a copy, actually, if you want. Oh, please um, do, yeah. But uh, it's just an initial start. But it, the, the goal was, can we define deconstructing Christians? And then what information can we get from them, like, early yeah. on? And then we're going to keep building this over years. And so we're yeah, going to, yeah. with every new survey, we, we can do a survey about race. We can do a survey about, like, views of Christianity. We can do a survey about, and we can compound the information. So it's going yeah. to be like, not only like, just like, oh, this age bracket thinks this about the Bible and this. It can also be like, oh, four surveys ago when we asked about race, people that think this about race also think this about the Bible. 
And they also think this next yeah. survey we're going to do about, you know, your views on other religions, that's also tied to, you know, how often you went to church before you deconstructed, you know, wow. all these yeah. different things. Uh, we're going to be starting to pull together. So I'm so excited because, because, you know, like you said, people don't know the definition of something as simple as yeah. deconstruction, which is getting thrown yeah. around. It, it's really frustrating when, you know, I'm watching a lot of big names in this space, not really. Uh, they know what they're talking about as far as a practical helping people out and they're doing the best jobs out there way better than me in a lot of ways and yet they're dropping the ball so much in not it what annoys me is because they're the big names they then are gonna get asked for a comment when the next josh harris or john steingard right. falls they'll ask all the pastors <laughs> and then they ask you know someone else and they give their statement and i'm like that isn't technically correct you're, you're not getting yeah. data if, the, if there's any way to combat this false rhetoric all the kind of crap that people say about deconstruction it's with cold hard data you can say look yeah. this actually isn't what's happening what they yeah. don't just all become atheists let me tell you 15 percent become atheists 32 percent become agnostic 18 percent still hold on to their christian faith you know like if, if we can start giving people data like that yeah dude it's huge really huge <laughs> so i'm excited anyway oh, i'll let you get into your date man oh it's, yeah you know, 6 30 already the day's flying away from you i know it's getting away on me <laughs> Yeah, thanks so much, man. Love you, man. I'll catch you later, yeah? Yep. Take care. Peace. Ciao. All right, bye-bye. All right, so that was John Steingard. I would highly recommend you check out John. Uh, we got so caught up in the conversation. He kind of threw me for six talking about the podcast that he's um, starting up uh, next year. So keep an eye out for that. That I forgot to ask him how people could connect with him. Um, thankfully, I know just how you can connect with him. And the best way is over on Instagram. Um, do check out. It's just John Steingart. I'll put a link in the show notes um, to that. Um, shoot me a message let them know you listened to this that you loved it um, that is always very encouraging to hear as, as someone that is a guest on podcast every now and again it's just lovely to hear that people enjoyed your message and, and um, make sure you're following him connect with him um, track with his conversations get involved with the conversations he starts he has fantastic conversations in his comments um, around different statements that um, he'll throw out or questions that he'll throw out um, I, I really recommend his stuff um, it's been very helpful for me insightful um just caused me to have really um healthy questioning uh, which there's, there's all kinds of different questioning but the questioning that he's encouraging people in is, is just very healthy the way he's going about it it's very helpful it's very constructive um yeah i really recommend you check him out um, as always check out the deconstruction network as well um, if you are going through deconstruction if you feel isolated and lonely in that journey and you want to find other people that are deconstructing in your local area the deconstructionnetwork.com is a great place to check out um, it's completely free will help you connect with other people in your local area um, everything i'm doing is for free as i said before if you want to partner with me in that you can head to phildrysdale.com partner or patreon.com phildrysdale that makes a huge difference to me. Um, I do this full time. I have no other income. Um, as a thank you, you get access to our Patreon, um, our, our partners uh, dis Discord group. It's a great discussion group with all kinds of discussions going on. And we have a monthly Zoom call as well. I think we're gonna have our monthly Zoom call this weekend. So keep your eye out for that. Um, and yeah, uh, message me, connect with me. I, I love to chat. I love to help people that if they're going through stuff and they need to process and they need a safe place to talk, um, just DM me over on Instagram. It's Phil Drysdale. I'd love to connect. I'd love to help you um, in any way I can. That's all for today. I'll see you in the next episode. I love you all. Peace to you all.